River Kingdoms are an ever-warring group of city-states, kingdoms, and fiefdoms, where lives are threatened every day by conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Mavoy sits the Stolen Lands, stolen from me and my kind, and degenerated into savage conflict. I have been called by many names, Titania, Nerissa, the Queen of Forgotten Time. Herein lies the end of Stagthorn's tale, where Caelan Peacebringer has finally taken control of the wilderness, monsters, romantic entanglements, the affairs of ancient gods, and war. I will lift the heavy burden from his head and bring Stagthorn peace forever. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. Episode 145. Okay, so when last we left our hero, you had entered Tristan's Nightmare. And it was very sad and pressing in there. But, Trist, uh, Michaela and Corwin and I beat up the um, object of his insecurities, who all appeared to be named Thor, which is sad. But except not, Quintessa. Except Quintessa. Um, and, um, you know, she admitted her feelings for him. And then he counteracted her attempt to pretend that she hadn't, she had just been trying to snap him out of it. And they finally got together, and Kaylin was very, very happy. Yes, worked hard, and finally his advice has been yielded after the two of them tried every other possible means than actually talking to each other. And then you and Corwin are standing in the library. Tristan and um, Michaela are heading off to um, go basically rouse the castle, wake up anyone they can wake up, um, find any more physical threats that are happening in the waking world and end them. So will they be able to wake up the people that we have already cured, who are now just regular sleeping? Uh, as far as you can tell... Um, in fact, you... Go on, says. Nay, lad, I shouldn't think so. Keep in mind, the Nightmare Rock's still out there. He's still keeping them... He's still keeping this entire castle in a bespelled sleep. Even you're still asleep. The thing is, we can't wake them... We can't wake them as long as he's here in any part. And he'll be here until we kick him out. For the most part, that's not necessarily a bad thing, depending on what else you sent in the waking world against you. After all, if you wake up, this whole thing ends. I am glad enough that I'm still sleeping, mostly. Uh, uh, I've no doubt that'll be her first stop. <laughs> well, it's good that she can't wake me up. I presume she can't because I'm out here, but in any case... Uh, let's press on. Tristram's dream was a nasty one, and there's plenty more people we need to check on. I don't want anyone else to suffer the old Beldame's fate. I, well, we're down at the library. Let's head for the kitchens next and get this done. I. A montage flips up of Caelan and Corwin walking from room to room, sort of, the cook is slumped over against the oven. Um, you reach in and find the same kitchen as a, fl- as a flame and look around and then see the bird sort of sitting on the top of one of the um, 
one of the pantries, looking down at you with menacing, beady eyes. Ah, ah, and Caelan draws his sword and chases it away. Uh-huh. And then we cut to the next dream, and the rook, the bird, the crow, a thousand times again being chased, flying, flying, flying away each time. Um, the last people you have selectable as a thing that you can interact with are um, Christopher Rossi and Leon. So I want to, you know, so we head round the sort of the servants and the advisors generally yeah. until we make it to Leon. Yeah, I, I kind of imagine you've basically got like a family wing and then guest rooms and then two of your counsellors who live on site. Yeah. Um, some of them do, um, some of them choose not to. Um, Akora um, and like Deneed when she was here broadly speaking, probably have a room here, but prefer to be in, in Van Hol in the Norman Heights. Mm. Um, in any case, Christopher Rossi and Leon are both here. Um, and discover as you walk through their doors um, that they have taken rooms next to each other. Um, and just depending on which one you want to access first, depends on what you see. So I head for Leon's room. Yep. So, you have probably never been in here before. No. Um, Caitlin doesn't, in the final analysis, know Leon all that well. Yeah. We've worked together for a long time, so I kind of do and I kind of don't. We, we have a work friendship. We don't really socialise all that much. Very much so. Um, Leon's room is reasonably spartan and... You would even say poor compared to the um, magnificent castle, or relatively magnificent castle around you. Yeah. Um, he has not chosen to decorate it with ostentatious tapestries and all this sort of thing, despite the fact that he could. I mean, he wouldn't personally be paying for this sort of thing anyway, yeah. and now actually pulls a reasonably high salary yeah. as a councillor. Although it's entirely possible he's salting it away in the matter of one who doesn't really know what he's going to do with yeah, all that yeah. money and doesn't know how long it's going to last and that kind of thing. Effectively, to some extent here, what you're seeing is what you think is a very peasant upbringing, which yeah. Caitlin's had a weird life, but he hasn't had a peasant upbringing. No, although he, he's um, he started off poorer than that, but... Um, yeah, but in a... Um in an agrarian society. Yeah. Like you're in a war village of walks, basically. Yeah, so that's it's true. a slightly different thing. Money yeah. is not as valuable. No, the money wasn't really a concept particularly, except in the, you know, it was kind of more booty. But on the other hand, they were probably better off in some ways than peasant human farmers because they did quite a lot of stealing, which yeah. is not really a peasant human farmer. It's not really so much of an occupation. So Leon looks like he has... Um, very much just squirreled all his money away. Yeah. Also, he was mentored by Corn. <laughs> yeah. Whatever he's done with it, it clearly hasn't shown here. His room is pretty spartan. It has nice but fairly simple sort of wooden bowls and jugs and that sort of thing in it. He himself is just sleeping in his bed, that silver aura around him, and in the distance you hear the faint hoof beats as a core of silver fire comes without acknowledging you or doing anything in any way through the room sort of sweeps through him in her silvery form, sweeps into the next room and gallops off again. She's going to need a rest when all of this is over. And Leon continues to sort of just mutter in his sleep. He's not having a violent dream. He's not thrashing and kicking off the bedclothes, but he's wearing a sort of simple woolen singlet. And his 
huddling around himself and trying to push something away from him. I never really intended to um, get into everyone's heads this way, but I think they'd rather I was there to protect them if this is the choice. I hope so, anyway. Corwin shrugs slightly. I mean, from a certain point of view, it's a little rude, but on the other hand, you're stopping them from dying, lad. So I think I, I, I know what I'd take. Hi. Well, not me personally, but I admit I'm not most people. <laughs> Uh, let's do this then. Into Leon's head you go. Uh, and you are in some place you do not recognize. It's clearly a building, clearly in River Kingdom style, mm. so it's a, uh, an ordinary wooden modern day building with a very spacious basement in it. And the basement is what you are in, and there are a bunch of people in here, like a meeting, and very much what Caleb would take away from this is it's a cult meeting. Yeah. There's a bunch of people in here, all of whom have hoods pulled down slightly to over their eyes, and they are all wearing veils across their faces of various kinds, veils and um, when I say masks, I mean those sort of pandemic face-covering masks mm. as opposed to masquerade things. Mm. All of very different colours and styles um, they look reasonably fancy. These are quite nice silk robes in a variety of different rainbowy colours on each cultist. The masks the same, and they are muttering and chanting away. In something that Kalen doesn't understand, but has a weird cadence about it, and uh, if you want any more than that, then you need to give me um, a um, have linguistics here, do we? Uh, no, it's whatever there was before linguistics. It's speak language. Mm. I don't think speak language is on here. No. You, maybe you knocked no, it no. In, into one of the others. You probably have Straight intelligence check? Uh, yeah, because it's not a, um, I know you don't speak this language. Yeah. Um, so that's a 13. Not too much longer and we'll be out of the, um, old 3.5 yeah, systems yeah. and into the more bizarre yeah. hybrid 3.5. It definitely has elements of candle there about it. Um, that sort of Cthulhu style unspeakable tongue. It's not that, but it's a language that's either been influenced by that or has picked up several words, like yeah. how we have c'est la vie in English and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you, are, you are confident that it is not the unspeakable tongue that is something influenced by that as opposed to um, that directly, Yeah. but that's as much as you can get out of this, except that um, they don't appear to be doing this with any specific purpose. It's the equivalent of them singing in church, as opposed to them performing a hideous yeah. ritual. Alright. Um, Carolyn's going to look around slightly confusedly, and now I'm going to poke around the room and have a look for Leon yeah. trouble. And there is a head cultist up the front who is engaging in the chanting, standing at a pulpit, yeah. and sort of waving his arm. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to know what's going on, but as I don't speak the language... Yeah, it's, it, it looks, it looks religious, 
but not terribly untoward. Like, yeah. this place is not on fire, there are not human bones around, etc., etc., etc. Oh, actually... Yes. Um, and at this time, Caelan is going to draw and drink his potion of tongues. Alright. Because, you know, nice. actually I, I have this for this kind of circumstance, I can always buy another one. And suddenly the chanting well, you know, sense. Assuming I can wait, assuming I can at some point win this and yeah, wake up. Yeah, it's um, it may be too obscure in a language, but I thought it gave you. I'm I'm not sure it works like that. I'm pretty sure it gives you the ability to speak and understand the language of any intelligent, whether it's a racial tongue or a regional dialect. So where were we? Um, uh, I just drank my potion of tongues. You said with that plus the intelligence yep. check, I can determine. Dun dun dun! You can determine. Yes. Uh, the other thing is um, this. Basement room does not have a lot... The other thing I was thinking about is basement room does not have a lot of um, religious symbology, tapestries, uh, crosses, holy yeah. signs, etc., etc. What it has got is a lot of mirrors, which creates a rather disturbing effect in here because yeah. it's lit by lanterns, effectively, because it's a yeah. dark basement. Nothing unusual about that. And then a bunch of mirrors, so the light is crisscrossing and sort of all the different rainbowy purples and greens and colours of everybody's cloaks and hoods and things is rippling around the room and you have this sensation you are standing in a crowd of thousands of people with the reflections upon reflections there can't be more than three dozen actually in here mm. um, and so you drink your potion of tongues and you can understand their chant as it suddenly turns to an actual language and between that and the intelligence check you realise that what they are chanting in is a completely invented language. It is something this group have made up for themselves to speak in, as opposed to any that that appears to have stolen bits from a bunch of other languages, as opposed to anything. Um, I don't want to say as opposed to anything that you could learn to speak, because you could theoretically learn to speak mm. this as well. It's, but I need to learn it from them. Correct. It's it's their own secret cult language, basically, yeah. and. Does the spell enable me to understand? Yes, yes it does. Yeah. So what you hear is, Veiled one, watch us. Veiled one, guide us. Veiled one, see our light. Veiled one, show us the answers we are ready to learn. Teach us the questions we are ready to ask. Show us the mysteries we are not yet ready to know. The order awaits, the order listens, the order learns, the order watches. The silver twilight stands between the dusk and the dawn, the darkness and the flame. We watch, we listen, we learn, and we ask. And then they start again. Uh, and you may give me a... Knowledge religion check, so does I. Alright, so... I didn't get my dice out, so I'm just going to borrow a couple of yours briefly. Sure, so, um, my theory, um, my knowledge religion is largely non-existent, and Corwin's isn't much better. I've got one rank of it left. Yeah, well, that's more than I have. Um, I get a four. My theory, just on looking at these guys and listening to them, is that they are worshipping Savannah. 
but um, I don't have enough religious education to necessarily substantiate that. Yeah, Kalen may um, guess at whatever conclusion he desires. Yeah. Um, Corwin didn't get anything either. I, I mean, I don't understand what they're saying. Oh, I haven't yeah. my potion of tongues, but I listened to you explain it. I say, well, definitely religious then. Yeah. I've got, I've got a four. Yeah. So we both got a four. Yeah, but I've got my one rank, so I'm trained in this. Yeah, yeah. T- technically, I got less than a four because I'm super smart. Because I've got probably got a minus five penalty. So that's the other system again. Ah, yeah. So um, that is what you draw from this. Yeah. And they continue to chant this in a rhythmic, yeah, sing-song tone. So what I want to do is look around the room and see if I can work out anyone who might be Leon or Christopher Rossi, given this is clearly, this certainly appears to be the Order of the Silver Twilight. Yeah. Given it's a secret order organization. But no, they, they did just, did they just say the Silver Twilight? And among other things, this will become blatantly apparent as at some point as you're doing this, they will finish the chanting and the leader up at the pulpit, um, says, Brothers, sisters, brothers, sisters, my fellow seekers, be welcomed and be welcomed to the order of the silver twilight. We receive all here who seek knowledge lost, who seek answers, who seek answers concealed, who are of strong mind. Body is irrelevant. The mind and the spirit drives the order of the silver twilight. We are here to gather that which is lost to learn that which we do not know, to answer the mysteries of the forgotten, and begins to sort of speak to them in this line, um, and expressly says the Order of the Silver Twilight is here to blah, 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 blah. So this is absolutely a meeting of the Order of the Silver Twilight. Yeah. Is it actually Christopher Rossi doing the talking? You cannot tell with ease. He is wearing a veil, and he has a hood over his head. Okay. Um... You are welcome to give me some sort of check to perceive that. Uh, I would take a listen check. And look, I would probably also take a spot check if prepared to go up and interact with it. But I imagine Cable is just kind of quietly shifting the peripheries here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm better at listen. So that's 12. Okay. I've heard him talk a lot. Yeah, and he isn't putting on any sort of yeah. conceal. He's not making any real effort to conceal his yeah. voice other than the fact that it is very slightly muffled by the veil. It's totally Christopher Rossi. Okay, so I'm just going to have a quiet tussie around the congregation and see if I can see anyone who looks like Leon. Yep. Um, and I would take either spot or sense motive here that will give you different answers. I will use sense motive. Uh, which is a... 21. Okay. Leon was clearly having a nightmare, and this is supposed to be a nightmare, but this doesn't seem all that bad, so I must be missing something. So, as you look around, uh, Christopher Rossi calls on the person he refers to as... um, I call upon our fellow scholar in the green as opposed to nobody here seems to get referenced by name. Yeah. He calls upon our fellow scholar in the green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the point of where our masked organisation is that they don't all know each other's names automatically. I would bet Rossi can tag a good few of them, but joining this group doesn't mean knowing who everyone else in it is. To speak on what you have uncovered of the Cyclopean ruins and 
the brother in green steps forward and begins speaking, it's pretty evidently Tristan. Yeah. When you hear his voice, and particularly that cadence and sound as he says, Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you, my fellow scholar. Thank you, my fellow scholar in lilac. I would be delighted to speak upon the Cyclopean ruins. In fact, I have a presentation to be made here. I get enough of this in the waking world, Helen will say. Um, and you sort of move slightly around the room, looking at people. By the time you've checked, like no more than two or three people, Tristan has finished what appeared to be a lengthy and elaborate presentation. You very much, as soon as you stop paying attention to him, you start to hear him just making warp, 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 shrikes, warp, warp, warp noises. This is an effect Kalen is well familiar with. Yeah, except that he appears to have finished his entire elaborate presentation that does seem with, within less than a minute. Yeah. And Rossi at the front says, Thank you, my scholar, thank you, scholar in green. I believe we now understand all there is to be delved at this time from the ruins, although there are always more mysteries awaiting to be revealed. And people all nod sagely and clap like they've learned something amazing in the last minute. It has the absolute impression Tristan has been talking for four or five hours. Yeah. And people have just gone, yeah, yeah, we get this. Yeah. And Rossi calls on the next person to stand up and start doing a presentation, and the same thing happens again. Yeah. They talk about an ancient mystery from the Mwangi jungles. And they start going warp, 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 warp. Yeah. Um, and you see somebody sort of third or fourth row down at the edges is just fidgeting and not paying rapt attention to this and just looking awkward and sort of itching the back of their neck and looking around and And you go towards them and look at them. You know, they look young. They look kind of insecure in their place. And you go, ah, there's Leon. Yeah. All right. So Kaelin wants to sit down beside him as discreetly as Kaelin can sit down anywhere. Yeah. And um, sort of very quietly whisper to him, Leon? He looks, startles up, looks slightly to the side, sort of hunches fugitively, and... And Kaelin's going to talk to him, but look forwards as though he's paying yep. attention to the the room. Yeah. You know, obviously Kaelin shouldn't be in here, but you know, no one else yeah, seems no, to. No mind. one seems to. Although you haven't made a terribly loud entrance or whatever scene yet. Yeah, but you know, if Kaelin walked into an actual order of the Silver Twilight meeting, they wouldn't be moved yeah. by the fact that he was doing so quietly. If you didn't know it was Leon, yeah. then um, now you do it because he absolutely twitches his head like, what the? Oh, oh. And then, you know, leans in slightly towards you and keeps yeah. looking forward. Your Majesty, what are you doing here? And can you make me a will save? So you start interacting with him. <laughs> 29. And you feel... This could be embarrassing. You feel something from the dream being forced across you. And you can just push this effect away as Leon tries to draw you into his dream and make you make sense here. Um, Corwin, next to you, you know, I, lad, the king, and it gets even weirder, and Leon looks slightly sideways at Corwin, takes this in and then just nods, like, of course, Corwin being here makes yeah. total sense. The fact that he's dead yeah. is irrelevant. Um, and then you look sideways at Corwin... And you realize he is now wearing an orange silken robe with an, with an orange veil across his face. And he looks back at you. What? 
going native? Oh, God. I look silly, don't I? Not a word I'd use. I look like Lord Fancy Pants, don't I? Not very much, no. <laughs> Not a word I'd use, because, you know, I know for a fact that you have 100% of your cleric magic. <laughs> yeah. You still death touch it well. <laughs> and you feel this effect, effect rippling across you as well. And at any time, uh, you can now, having realised what it is, take it or choose to fail it. If you fall into this part of the dream, you will also be robed and veiled. No, I'd prefer the discrepancy, because I'm trying to... Yeah, makes sense. Stab him out of this. Corn, however, has failed his um, will save. Yeah. So, getting sucked in here. What are you doing here? Uh, are you our newest member? Uh, not exactly. What's going on? What's going on, Leon? You don't exactly seem to be comfortable here. Uh, I, I'm due to speak shortly. Oh. Um, okay, now now Kaelin gets the nightmare, but... I, I have to do a presentation now that... Now that I've been promoted to regent I, I need to do a presentation on the history of Pytaxia and its role in the river kingdoms and the, the history of the river kingdoms it's it's several hundred years of nobility there's uh, a lot of names I've got some great news for you also is, is it just me or um, do um, you, you can understand what they're saying right uh, yeah, but only because I drank my potion of tongues. A potion? I forgot to bring a potion of tongues. I'm so stupid. Uh, listen, I've got some great news for you. This isn't real. You're having a bad dream. And he looks at you, slightly startled as you say that, and Rossi up the front says, and then I ask our brother in white to stand and speak, and all the heads turn to Leon <laughs> at once. Wait, what? See how everyone's looking at you? Like, they want you to talk on some, you know, a topic that you perhaps haven't prepared as well as you could have? That's how you can tell it's a bad dream. I'm I'm not a noble. I'm, I'm not a scholar. I, I work hard. I can learn to do this, but I don't know any of it. But and I don't know anything about the royal family that came before King Eriveti. Well, the good news is... I'm not even sure there was one. I, the, I don't know anything about that either. Yeah, like it was the kingdom before Pytax, which yeah. should be totally irrelevant to Pytax, because yeah. it was just what it was on the same geographic spot, but it'd been his nightmare, of course. There's a nasty bird around here somewhere that's pushing this dream on you, and if you help me beat it up, you don't have to do any public speaking at all. Just vo- help me do a little bit of violence and you can get out of the whole thing. And he... That sounds great. Where's right? the bird? Well, if generally speaking, if we mess with the dream a little bit, he'll turn up. So what say you and I hop on and get out of here? Just blow this joint. He stands up and the rest of the crowd starts to sort of mutter, mutter, mutter. And, you know, Fellow scholar, we await your frafnifrun. 
Bird? Bird! Bird! Bird. Froth Nifel in Nafres Nufna You can't understand what he's saying anymore, which tells you that it is literally gibberish. Yeah. What Rossi is just telling him is, these are words you can't understand. Yeah. Because you're so stupid. Yeah. Alright, I can't understand him anymore, and I've got a potion of tongues up, so this isn't meant to make any sense. And can you give me a spot research check? Sure. I'm real great at both of those. Uh, that would be a six. Leon looks around hopelessly. I have to do something. The order is counting on me. The kingdom is counting on me. Oh no. I left the treasury unlocked. <laughs> and Are all your dreams like this? Corwin says, Aye, but uh, I'm thinking I know where the key to the treasury is. You do? That's great. Because you left the worst notes. Well, that must be part of the nightmare. Yeah. It's not, boys, lads not making any sense. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it seems like most of the system for being a treasurer you just kept in your head. You didn't write a lot of it down. Dwarves are an oral tradition, and, and anyway, that's not true. Also, I can see yon beastie in the mirror over there. Go over and headbutt it. Oh, thank goodness. Let's go kill it. And This you... public speaking thing is starting to get to me, and it ain't even my dream. You go over there, and the mirror is reflecting the group of mm. the, the Order of the Silver Twilight around you in the strange room, and now the Order is all basically massing in a big circle. It's not hostile. You don't get any intense to go to beat Leon. But they definitely will stand around a circle, and eventually they will start pointing at him and more floofing, morphin, gorfin, morgan. And then in the mirror, you can see them all surrounding you in this big semicircle. Except in the mirror, in the reflection, but not out here, there is this bird sitting there on Rossi's shoulder, going, and staring murderous eyes at Kalen. Right. <clears throat> And Kellen is totally prepared to punch the mirror. Yeah, and you smash the mirror. There is a shattering noise. Mm -hmm. And you hear Leon as if from a distance underwater going, Oh, the key was in my other pants all along. (laughs) And the whole thing shatters and fades around you. Yeah. Um, At which point, we might as well finish out here. Yep. Um, When you wake up, the aura is gone from around him. He is merely asleep instead of having a nightmare. When you go into Christopher Rossi's dream, he is having what looks at first like the very same dream. You only need to do one of these, really. Yeah. Um, except he is also in a secret meeting of the Order of the Silver Twilight presenting. Leon is also here and fidgeting and yeah. behaving in the same fashion. Their dreams are similar enough that they've merged into each other. Right, yeah. In Rossi's one... When you cr- in Rossi's one, you see Kalen, who isn't you, walk over and punch the mirror. It cracks, and a bunch of tentacles start emerging from it instead of the dream disintegrating. The cultists of the Order of the Silver Twilight also start melting into tentacle monsters and yeah. going blind, 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 blind at him. And Rossi stands there, shocked and horrified, with no answers. What is this? No, this this can't be what it was all for. This can't be the answer. Oh, oh no. And just stands there, frozen, while the tentacle monsters yeah. start approaching him and grabbing him. Yeah. And we 
which point... Uh, uh, and Kaelin appears and says, Nate, this is a bad dream. Help me beat him up. Uh, I, 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 he throws his hand out, um, and several of the tentacle monsters, and starts chanting something magical, and several of the tentacle monsters seem to calm down, and just sit back down in their seats. They're, they're horrible tentacle abominations in beautiful coloured robes and veils, sitting there quiretly waiting for the presentation, yeah. as he casts calm emotions on them. Cool. And um, Caelan will attack several of them. Yep, up until you find the one that has the bird sitting yep. on his shoulder. Ah! And the bird goes, ah! As it sees you coming, turns, flies away, vanishes out of the dream. You wake up and Rossi is asleep as well. Yep. And at that point, we very much montage through se- several more. And then Corwin looks out the window and says, I, look lad, you can see him now. No, he's no longer blotting out the moon, he's just about the size of it. I think we've gotten most of them. Enough to bring him down, anyway. Let's finish up here. Then we'll go up to the roof. Then we'll go fishing together. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. So, the montage continues. You and Corwin have... Um, Broken the nightmares of more sleepers. Yep. And at some point, Corwin seems to hear a call and looks out the window up where the nightmare rook has shrunk to the point where he now looks like it is sort of the size of the moon instead of eclipsing it entirely. It says, I, I think that's, I think that's enough. We could get every last one in the castle and see if that did any more. But I think at this stage we can bring him down. Well, not that I don't really, really want to hit him very much, but he still looks pretty big. You sure? Ah. Remember that. He looks big because he's all the way up up there in the sky. By the time we bring him down to us, he'll look a lot smaller. All right. Well, it's totally contrary to how physics actually works. Let's get up to the roof of the castle, then. The thing to remember is that He's out there in the waking world. He's out there in the waking world. Points up at the moon and sort of out at the castle. But he's also in here, in the dreaming world. That's where we need to bring him. How do we do that? Don't worry. It'll all make sense in a minute. And starts rummaging around in his backpack. Now, before we do, I couldn't trouble you for one more healing spell. Just that little one. I feel like I should be at my best for this uh, last part. Fair enough, too. I don't like to waste him, but... Uh, it strikes me as a big beastie. It's ain't like I've got tomorrow to worry about, that. Yeah? You want another 11 hit points, I heard. Yep, that sounds about right. That means I'm only two down, which is, um, I'm pretty content with. Poke. Poke. He casts Cure Minor twice on you. Okay. I'm at full. Because, you know, he doesn't see that, um, 
His cantrips are going to be deeply useful to him. No, no, he he really does not see that. Cool. And then he starts rummaging around in his pack. And now, uh, you got a little rope or something, rope, fishing rod, something like that on you? Uh, rope and, um, rope and plenty, and Kalen produces, um, one of his four coils of rope. Oh, yeah, that'll do. Uh, don't think it's, I've got a fishing rod. I've got you folding boats, it's been bloody useful. Glad you're enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about fishing, ties the rope onto nettle spike, is that you want to make sure you don't hook too big a prey, unless you think it's strong enough to haul it in, at which point, uh, I never did quite have the opportunity to teach you everything I knew about fishing, lad, but We'll have one lesson tonight. When you want to eat, and you want to eat right, you start with the biggest fish in the pond. When you haul him up, all the other ones learn to be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) And raises it and throws his spear into the moon. And it arcs preposterously high over the castle. Simply flies off for miles well beyond the extent of the rope. Very much in dream logic again. Strikes something there. And Corwin gestures to you and hands you the rope and starts pulling on it. Now, lad, we haul him, and you can feel something yanking against this. Something that is strong, but nowhere up to the two of you combined. Um, it's Kellen's 22 strength. Yeah, yeah. Between the two of you, you have 38 strength. Yep. So, you pull the rope down, and you can see something happening here. Um... The shadow of the nightmare rook starts to get pulled away from this room. Sorry, starts to get pulled away from the moon. You have thrown a dream spear in the dream world and are pulling it down. Remember, um, and what you can see is that the nightmare rook seems to remain there, silhouetted against the moon, this giant bird, because you've seen this thing before, it is actually genuinely a giant bird. Yeah. Albeit like a colossal creature, yeah. not something the size of a castle. Yeah. Um, as you start hauling it down, the physical body of the Nightmare Rook remains up against the moon, flapping, but you are also hauling something down away from it that looks like the Nightmare Rook again. He says, aye, we'll land us a dream rook. That's what we want. <laughs> Starts pulling it in. And it sort of pulls against you, flaps off a couple of meters, you grunt, you yank it down some more, and as you pull it, start to pull it within range of you and Corwin, Corwin reaches up towards it with the hand he isn't holding the rope and looks to you to do the same. You reach up towards it, and again, preposterous dream logic, you seem to just stretch out towards it and touch the nightmare rug, and poof, everything changes. You find yourself <laughs> loading. Loading. Okay. 
you find yourself in a clearing in what appears to just be an endless forest opening up under a strange twilight sky with fields of jagged hills before you and something rising off into the distance that looks like a great house growing out of an enormous tree. And you realize you've actually seen this glade before, albeit from the other way around. It is the view from Nerissa's house. Yeah. Her house at the end of time, out to here. The fable. Yeah. Or at least a dream representation of it. Yeah. And you hear the... Ah! Ah! As the nightmare rook crows, no longer restrained by your fishing rod in yeah. here. Indeed, the whole setup has just disappeared back into corn holding a spear again, no matter yep. your pulling and, and my rope is just in my bag, I would imagine. Pretty much. Um, it turns to you. Ah! Fools to challenge me! Fools to challenge me! God says, I. Well, that's what we're here for. If fools we be, then so be it. But you've nowhere left to run. No dreams to go except your own now. Mm-hmm. And the rook turns... And begins arcing towards you, and Corn turns to you. Well, lad, uh, no more dream logic, no more nightmares, no more fears to put to rest. Just you and me doing what we do best. Let's kill this giant house-sized monster. <laughs> Aye, one more for old time's sake. And the nightmare rook turns and starts <laughs> arcing down, and then we immediately roll into initiative. Okay. So, you are standing in a glade... You can see the trees just seem to go on thickly forever outside of the glade, although you've got no real way of knowing how far it goes. Um, but it does have a very surreal, dreamlike aura about it. And of course, you know the first world doesn't comply with physics at all. Point A doesn't necessarily lead you to point B. Yeah. Um, the only things you have of note on this map, uh, this is all clearing. Yeah. Beyond the trees is very thick, difficult-looking terrain. Yep. Um, in the centre of it, there is a solid five-foot branch of a tree growing up. It appears to be just a plain, round tree with no real features on it beyond a few branches and things. It is going straight up, and about 90 feet up, it turns into a gigantic bird's nest sitting on the top of the tree. There's this big 90-foot-wide nest of huge branches and things, like the Nightmare Rook Mm. has snapped off giant chunks of branch to put into its nest instead of little twigs because it's so enormous. So that is above you. The Rook is sort of curving in from here. Um, I've got this many, but it is, in fact, colossal-sized. Right, yep. Um... And it is sweeping towards you. And Corwin is the first man up. Cool. So the, the, we did get the Rook's initiative. It was between me and Corwin. Fifteen. Yep, cool. Sorry, I just lost track of that for a moment. I'll turn this round so you can see it. And what the Nightmare Rook looks like is it, it mostly just looks like a simple Rook, a crow or a raven. Except for the fact that it is completely enormous. Yeah. And... <coughs> When it gets close enough to you, you see that its eyes are just solid black, arcing down over the forest here. Corwin doesn't 
too far away for that one. Not far enough away for that one, rather. All right, then, lad. Let's see what we can do with this bestie, eh? Just like old times. Now, you may not have seen this particular trick before. Lady of Graves, I call upon you. The end of the river, where all life ends, where all freezes. Bring the ice upon this place. And raises his hands. Um, and huge sheets of ice, these ten foot wide cubes like this, of whirling, cutting, like a small storm of put together in a ten foot cube, whirling, cutting shards of ice and hail, snow and cold, seem to burst into existence in uh, There are dozens of these things. As he gets two ten foot cubes per level, so there are thirty cubes of this, which is completely redundant. Yeah. He aims them over into the forest, generally, yeah. and the forest seems to explode with cold. Yeah. Which somehow does no harm to the trees whatsoever. Yeah. But he drops one of them right on top of the Nightmare Rook, and the Nightmare Rook makes a reflex save, as yep. it flies directly into the storm of cold. Which it simply tucks its wings and rolls through. Uh, however, as it doesn't have evasion... Oh, good. I'm glad it doesn't have evasion. It's taking half damage from this. Yep. Uh, so, that is a meager 26 points of damage from there. Oh, well, I will take it. Quarters are... Well, I suppose it's useful if you, I suppose it's more useful if you've got more than one target. No, I, I'm pretty sure even though the thing is big enough for him to target two cubes on it, you can only hit it once. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. It's it's an interesting um, concept. Uh, yeah. So, Nightmare Rock takes 26 points of damage. Yeah, well, given that, I'm glad he used his other giant hero effect to kill all those guys that were mugging us in Vansdrew. Yep. Yeah. Alright. And it's Team Rook. Team Rook. Looks down at you. As it flies down. Ah! Kaelin Thorn! Aye. My lady and queen tells me you could have avoided all these nightmares. Passed peacefully into the night. I myself prefer the slumbering, endless dream and nightmare. Did you like it? Did you like being blind? Seeing the dead walk? Seeing those you love turn on you? I enjoy it. It is sweet to me, and I am grateful for the opportunity. I will make your death quick. Your body will not feel a thing. It will merely never wake up. He flies past Colossal, so it's significantly bigger than it appears on the map. I could yeah. put a giant circle under it if that helps you, or I could draw one, but as it isn't stopping me. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, it flies past, and as it flies in, you suddenly have this horrible feeling that you have gone blind, and you can hear Michaela's voice saying to you, Your Majesty, Caelan, the Eye of Abaddon. 
surely you remember, and that nightmare comes flashing through your head again, unbidden, merely as the rook closes on you. Uh, its mere presence alone preac- creates nightmares. Can you give me a will save versus fear? Alrighty. Uh, if you are immune to fear from your um, uh, night of thorn stuff, then you do not need to do this. Let's have a look. See, that would be a more reason to rip. Or of courage. I am immune to fear. Cool. And that's is that just like the paladin one? Does yeah. Does get it as well? Uh... I suspect he gets a um, bonus for being nearby yeah, me, yeah, but I would I would have to look at the um, I would have to look at the ability and check. It's um, one of my more recent ones. I haven't actually used it in play. I've merely written it on my sheet. But I am indeed a level five knight of thorns now. Uh, it's exactly the same as the Paladin ability. You are yep. immune to fear, magical or otherwise. You create a plus four morale bonus yep. to other people around you. So I see, because um, this is the first time this has been on screen, so the image does flash brief- briefly in my he- head, and then the um, thorns growing out of my arm like, crackle green-, green energy a little bit, and Kalen just shakes his head. Yep. Nay. I didn't like it so well, uh, but I fought through it with uh, fought through it with my good friend Ia's help. The thing is, him and me, we've killed bigger things than you. We've killed nastier things than you, and you, you don't scare us. And as it sweeps closer to Corwin, he also starts to step back, look a little white, and. Says, he seems his eyes go far off. He says, No, kids. I never meant to abandon you. It was the only way, can't you see? And then his eyes flicker for a moment. And they turn black as well. And he looks back up at it. Nay, beastie. I'm past all that now. I've nothing left to fear. He needs to make a save for it, but with your plus four bonus and his plus two bonus against fear that he gets from um, Death Will Not Take Me, yep. now suddenly proving to be a rel- really relevant trait yep. long after his actual death, huh? uh, you succeed on this. Um, this continues to happen every time the Nightmare Rook comes within a certain distance of you. You have a bunch of nightmares that are forced on your mind. Fears, the, the, these are genuinely nightmares you have actually had, not simply limited to the four or so we played on screen. Mm. You will experience other things that you presumably ran through and didn't remember. Corwin is also experiencing these. However, as they push against your head, you just push them off again. Once you save against this, you are immune to it for um, a considerable period of time. Excellent. Um, so that is its fear aura. Yep. Now, now it presumably wants to actually attack. Then it merely swoops in. Um, so I would assume Caelan hasn't had time to draw his sword, given that he was reeling things in on official and he hasn't had an action yet? Oh, uh, I would assume you have, because you've actually come in with it, um, okay. being organised for this sort of thing. If you're cool with that, then I've got Matchless Sentinel out, which gives me the um, plus two bonus to my, uh, to my AC. Uh, so the rook swoops in. How much tension has it been paying? Uh, yeah, it's not. 
super smart, it's not super dumb, it hasn't seen this effect yet. So, it flies over you, grabs you, and goes to fly up into the air, miles up, and as it does so, you simply slip and wiggle and escape its grasp with your freedom of movement. Yeah. I won't bother rolling the, um, well... Technically speaking, it needs to touch you, which it does with its game. Then it grapples you, lifts you very slightly off the ground, and you just slip away and fall sort of two feet back and land on your feet again. Best investment ever. And the rook flies on past. It yep. flies in, endeavors to snatch you, and then flies off again. How high is it in the air? Uh, about 40, fo- 40 foot up. Okay. And it doesn't seem to have any difficulty turning on a dime hovering in the air. Yeah. And then it is you. Okay. So, Kaelin is going to um, quick draw Briar. Yep. And um, merge the three swords to create Sacrifice. Yep. Which is a throwing weapon. Yep. Which seems extremely relevant for this fight. Yep. Um, and um, that's a move action. Yep. And um, he is going to move, but not too far away from Corwin. Sure. Just a little bit further forward. Uh, it is also a throwing... Re- is it a throwing returning weapon? It is a throwing returning weapon. Yeah, so you can just chuck it instead of moving, because if you miss, then it'll just fly back to you. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, yes, I will ta- and then I will take a single shot out at it. However, I am considerably outside my first range increment. So what's your range increment? 20 foot. You're not actually that far beyond it, so you're a minus two penalty to hit this thing. Cool. Uh, that... So, um, that's a 38. Yep. Unless this thing is a fey creature, at which point it's 40. Uh, it is, of course, a fey creature. That's a shame. This is a fey bane weapon. <laughs> No, Kaelin merges the sword. You shouldn't have come into my home and hurt my family. I think you're going to understand that by this time this is done. And then he hurls sacrifice right at the back of its head. Now, I suspect this probably makes no real difference, but are you keeping in mind that your throwing attack is not the same as your melee attack? Because you are, in fact, making a ranged attack with a thrown weapon. Ah, yes, good point. Um, so, uh... I can make this easy, math easy for you if you want me to. Yeah. What's your, what's the difference between your strength and your dexterity? I thought because it was a throwing weapon I got to apply my strength. Fit. I, I thought... I thought it was you applied your strength to damage, but not to hit. But uh, I could be wrong. I, I thought that was the distinction between things like javelins and things like bows. Uh, you apply your strength modifier to damage. Uh, 
Oh, is that the distinction? Possible to throw a weapon that isn't designed to be thrown. Uh, at which point you're running into the fact that you are making a ranged attack. Right, so it is it is Jeeps rather than yeah, strength. you need to aim it in the right place, but yeah. because you are hurling it. So your damage will remain exactly the same as it yeah. is. But it's a... Um, your to hit will go down by the difference between your strength and your dex. Yeah, so um, that's a 35. Sure, at which point you still clean into it. Yeah. But worth noting for the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So sacrifice flies off. Sort of goes ram and beds itself in one of the nightmare rook's wings, which yeah. actually have meat under them. Yeah, and it goes rah, spins in the air, and then as you hold your hand up, the blade comes flying back out and returns to your hand rapidly. Yeah. All right, and I roll extremely well on the damage, so that's um. Thirty-one points of damage. Uh, and because it is returning weapon, you can full attack with it. Yes, but I used a move action ah. to create sacrifice. Yeah. That's why I keep track of what um, what um, one I sword I have out because it's not necessary. I don't always want sacrifice. It's just I have magical sensible on as a default in case things are trying to sneak up on me. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Nightmare Rook is, um, is, doesn't seem to be real subtle here. Yeah. It's just a gigantic, death-defyingly large bird. Also, I really want the throwing weapon. Um, so that's a, um, so that's my single attack, and then the sword reappears in my hand. Yep. Yes, but next round, next round I can hit it three times. And um, I will grin at Corwin. I may not have new spells, but I've got better weapons. I lad, that you do. (laughs) Well, let's see what we can do about this thing then. Let's see what else I can do about this thing then. I've got old Nettle Spike here, but since you won't fly back to my hand, it's not not as fancy as your new trick. (laughs) Nonetheless, I'm thinking I can do a thing or two yet. Nightmare Rook. You bring nightmares to other people. You brought death to the old Beldame, whether you meant to or no. Brought death to the old Beldame, whether you intend to or no. Now, I'm not exactly a scholar of dreams and all that sort of thing, but I have the knowledge I need in here to carry out my mission. I know if we kill you here, that's the end of it. Just like us, you have to play by the rules too. Die in the dream, die in the real world. Let's see how well that works out for you. Lady Farazma, is this the end of this thing's life? Puts a hand out to it and makes a crushing gesture. There's an echo through the. There's an echo across the wood of destruction. Oh, excellent! As he 
cast destruction on it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fabulous. And the Nightmare Rook save, makes a fort save versus death. It is, of course, a copiously gigantic creature. Yeah, yeah, so, so it could probably make the yeah, save. Yeah, and un- undoubtedly it makes it. Uh, and merely takes 10d6 instead. Yeah. <laughs> I have a really great sword, but there's no denying Corwin's cool, cool straight-class cleric is, um, is pretty pretty be- pretty beefy with the beat stick. It's actually, he's not doing as much damage with these things because it's saving mm. as you are. Uh, so that is 29 points of damage to it. Yep. And the Nightmare Rook is very obviously being hurt by this, but doesn't seem like it's about to fall. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a ginormous, it's, a, it's, an, it's an incredibly enormous bird. Yeah, it has, of course, hundreds of hit points. That's why I'm so glad I've got the payback. Also, um, and this is really maybe relevant as this fight drags on, it didn't apply here because I'm at full hit points, but every time I hurt this thing, I heal. Yep. The Rook flies in, arches around this branch descends towards you and Kalen sees this gigantic beak which is sort of the size of a small horse yep. go gunk down towards you to pierce at you yep it's going to be a good high bonus uh, and that would be a 29 which I'm pretty confident is not going to do it it is not going to do it it bites down at you and then flies away again. Yeah. Uh, it has not come remotely within your melee range to provoke any attacks of opportunity, but yeah. it also looks like it is... Because um, it's using flyby attack, It right? is using flyby attack. Yeah. But that doesn't actually um, prevent it from attacks of opportunity. Right. Um, flyby attack merely allows it to move, attack, and keep moving. Right. In the same way ride-by attack does. Yeah, I Ride-by attack actually might allow you to avoid yeah. the attacks opportunity as well. Flyby attack doesn't. Ah. But the fact that it's colossal... It's just got heaps of reach. It has a phenomenal reach. Yeah. Cool. And it's Kalen, so it becomes a relevant question. How many range increments is it away from me? Its reach is actually not phenomenal, but it's well out of the range of what you can achieve. Two at this point, so that's a minus four on your attacks. Yep. Um, If I move to... If I... um, Five, fifteen, twenty, thirty... Now you're at minus two. Cool. Possibly less. Move. Uh, now you are in range again. Cool. The, your sword's range increments are shorter than your movement. Yep. So, Kale moves towards it. Yep. Um, although that means I'll only get one hit, but it'll be a good solid hit. Yeah, no, I, I, the, once you take the minus five, my, um, full attack, uh, bonuses aren't that awesome. Yeah. I want the um I want the full attack. So he moves up towards it and then hits the sword out. Alright, um and that's uh twenty-three plus two that's twenty-five. That's a plus twenty on the first attack. Um so that's a thirty-one. Uh that will miss it as you throw the sword at it, putting your will and your strength and your grace behind it. It seems to be dead on target for the rook, but something around it deflects the sword off. It has some sort of magical deflection aura. Ah, yep. Giving it bonuses. That is raising its AC to the point where 31 doesn't hit it. Yep. 
Yeah, well, good call about the moving then, because um, the lower numbers wouldn't have. All right, yep, so Kayla misses it this round, and it is Corwin. Okay. Corwin looks at it, sort of delighted glint in his eyes. Just like old times. Aye, but she is a big one, isn't she? Lady Phrasma, lend me your power. Smacks Nettle Spike off the ground and casts Divine Power on himself. Sweet. Raising his base attack to full, because he can see that you're missing it, so yep. he probably needs to yep. get off his duff. Also, at this point... Um, He's used all his big yeah, area effects. It's, 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 it's getting late in the night. <laughs> he has burned for all his 8th level, all his 7th level, all his 6th level spells. Yeah. He, he, he did some awesome stuff. He, he did some awesome one... He, he one-hit killed Vordekai, and he killed, like, half the monsters at... Monster people in Vaughn's dream. Oh, actually, he's not through a wall of them yet, and that is probably as good an opportunity as he's going to get. Uh, he doesn't cast Divine Power. Um, while you were standing away from it, he says, This forest, it's like the first world, isn't it? Aye. Weather here is very odd. Not quite right at all. We'll see if we can do something about it. And call on the storm. <laughs> and... Huge, boulder-sized chunks of hail begin raining out of the sky as he casts Ice Storm. Excellent. Again, this is a massive area effect. He yep. centers it well back here. Yep. It clips the rook. Uh, the rook fails its reflex save. Oh, good for him. <laughs> and takes an Ice Storm to the head. Yep, that's a lot of damage. No, actually, he has to work. He hasn't used all the seven little spells, so he's still got Acid Fog. Not necessarily of great value. Here. Yeah, yeah. It creates a solid fog that slows things down and then burns them, so if you want to stop it from charging out at you, that will work. Yeah. But it also means you're then taking mischances as you shoot back against it. Yeah. You throw your sword into the fog. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, that's almost a bit of damage, probably. It's all about what you roll. Yeah, 21 points of damage. Sweet. A nice solid hit. And then we're back to the rook. Yep. So, actually swing the cable comfortably from there. Flies over the blade, pecking down at Caitlin as he goes. Yep. Right. That's vastly better, and this time the giant beak comes and pinions you down. Yep. Almost hitting you square on the top of the head like a hammer as he crit threats you. Yep. Uh, and fails to confirm the crit. Lovely. It was less than the last one. Now we need some d8s. So this hammers you down squarely on the head, your armor rents slightly, and you go, oh, ow, stagger away from it. It's a nice hit from a strong creature for 21 points of damage. Yep. But, uh, honestly, Kaelin probably just actually isn't all that menaced by this. That's not a particularly significant amount to you, is it? No, no, it's, um, you know, if he keeps doing that for a while, it will eventually start to add up. But... 
Kaylin, I met Kaylin is actually slightly underimpressed here by what yeah. the rook is bringing to the table. Yeah, it's a very large bird, so it's it can fly fast. It's very yeah. strong. It's it's massively strong compared to an actual raven. Yeah, but once you are not afraid of it, its power is actually quite limited. The dream is much worse than the actual reality. Oh, what a lovely metaphor! <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and that is the Nightmare Rook. Cool. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. And this here, this pillar of branch, is a uh, largely impenetrable barrier to you yeah. as far as you are concerned. And indeed, um, because you know you're in a dream here, you are no longer intangible in any way. You yeah. can't pass through objects. You're forced to interact with them. Yeah. So um, how many range increments... One, so sure. minus two penalty. Alrighty. Te- technically two, because it's your second ranger, but a minus two penalty. Yep, that's what I was looking for. Okay, um, and that's uh, last uh, 28. Uh, this time, the rook dodges in the air, curving, and it turns the blade away. Yep, it's um, quite tricky to hit. Yes. It's deliberately staying out of your reach. Yep. Uh, so... If you desire Corwin to, he can cast Acid Fog, which will, um, yeah, he will call out something to you, so the Rook becomes aware of this tactic, but it doesn't matter a lot anyway. Uh, what he can do is fill a small area with fog, which means that it'll, it'll deal the Rook some very minor damage and effectively fence it off from going there, because it's not going to want to go into the fog that slows it down and burns it. Yeah, sounds sounds good. It's got all the mobility. Reducing its options sound good. sounds good to me. Uh, as opposed to just... Uh, no, this is his domain spell, so he cannot, in fact, turn it into a healing spell, even if he wants to. Yeah, so... And that radius will just continue to get bigger which will um, fence off increasingly more of this battlefield behind a solid fog of acid, which is probably to your advantage, but not... Um... Can he dismiss it if he's had enough of it? Is it dismissible? No. No, it is not. All right, then I'm going to say no. Cool. At that point, Lady Farazma, lend me your power. He will cast divine power. Cool. Raise his base attack. Uh, the Nightmare Rook has no capacity to get rid of this. I'm just going to uh, sketchingly alter his character sheet briefly. Sure. Rook will turn upon you again. Ah, you can't do this! I am the master of nightmares. You have no power here! Flies across the battlefield again. Yep. And as Kaelin is actually proving a much larger threat to it, he's going to go for Kaelin again. Yep. And sweeps past and pecks you. And misses you clean. Excellent. And then it is back to you. Alright, what's my range increment right now? Uh, you're going to need to five foot step at least. Yep. Because you want to get around this. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, minus two again. Cool. Alright, so Caitlin five foot steps and we'll go for numbers. Yep. 
Because um, this weapon confirms all crits. Yep. Um, so I'm going to crit fish it. Nice. And throw it three times. Nice. Alright. So that's a plus 20 slash plus 15 slash plus 10. Yeah, having to use my decks is a definite um, yep. disadvantage. But the, on the other hand, the Feybane is pretty great. Okay, so the first one's a 35. Whack. That's, a, that's yes. it. Yes, you stabs it. Excellent. Alright, so that's very poor on the old damage. This is quite a lot. Anyway. Alright, so that's... 21 points of damage. I roll very poorly. Yep. Uh, it is actually starting to show this now. Excellent. Ooh, not quite a crit, alas, but a very... Not that, I think, will do it. Uh, uh, 33. It's a bastard sword, so your crit range is 19 to 20. Yeah, so 18 won't do it. No, 33? Yep. Cool. Is that a hit? Yes, it is. Excellent. Alright, much better roll on the damage. Again, you see that deflection come up around it. Yeah. Powered by something in your throw. Yeah. But you pierce through it at this point. Twenty-nine points of damage. Nice. Yeah, that was a good. Sol- that was a nice number on the D10. Yep. Which is what I'm looking for. And third one, very unlikely to hit, but I'll roll anyway. Third one is a flat miss, which doesn't even glance off the deflection so much as just not hit the. Flies past the forest. And yeah. Then <laughs> yeah. Sacrifice returns to your hand. Yeah. Turns out, in a fair fight, you ain't all that. You came after my kids. Nobody comes after my kids. <laughs> Not twice, anyway. I'm glad to know you can die here, beastie. I'm really glad. Call him, sort of looks at this. He says, I, I can see I'm spear carrying here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like there were plenty of fights where I turned up to kill the big beastie and you touched it and it died, and there was some question of why we brought me along. Mighty fancy sword, but my spear is actually designed to be thrown. <laughs> runs forward and chucks it. Oh, you gotta nitpick every little detail. So it's a sword. Swords are great. <laughs> It's not my fault the bloody thing flies. <laughs> and Nettle Spike does not magically return to his hand, so he merely hurls it. Yeah. And it thunks into the rock or not, then falls to the ground. Yeah, he's going to go pick it up. Uh, he crit threats it, however. Yeah, yeah, but... Uh, uh, and he will spend a hero point immediately and turn the crit. He's got, he's got two left, yep. so yeah, he just spends one of them. It, says, it may not be fancy and it may not come back, but we took this from David Nettle's... When we settled what ailed him, it's mine. <laughs> and guess what? It's killed a couple of nightmares already. One more will just feed it. <laughs> and he throws the thing and it goes whang into the nightmare rook's eye. Excellent. And the rook goes, Aah! I guess it takes a triple damage crit. Yes. 
Yeah, it's not easy to crit, uh, crit with spear, but if you do, it's a good, good, damn good Same thing. Because that's a 20 crit, isn't it? That is a 20 crit, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't happen very often. 20 by 3. Uh, so Corwin does not throw like you. On the other hand, when he throws well, yeah. he throws well. As he hurls the damn thing and it rams into the thing's eye. The nightmare rook, blinded and bleeding from one eye, flies around in circles going, ah, 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 and takes 48 points of damage. Oh, that, that's some good stuff, that is. And looks like it is quite wounded at this point, well past bloody. Excellent. <laughs> yes, and as you say, I mean, Kaelin's taken a good solid it hits, and if it bites him five more times... Oh, yes, and um, Kaelin actually looks a little better because he hurt the rook on the last turn, and Sacrifice heals him. Yep. All right, and that is Corwin's turn. Yep. The rook might be thinking that it wants to eat Corwin at this time. Of course, he hasn't got a spear anymore. And the rook goes... Flies upwards away... Yelling to you, this isn't over! Not over at all! Flies towards the edge of the forest and seems to flap into the distance. And it's the damnedest thing. It's moving over the tree line, but it doesn't seem to be getting any further away from you. It stay once it actually passes the tree line, it gets to about here and then just seems to stay there. It goes a little bit forward, and then it's closer to you, and then a little bit <laughs> forward, and then it's closer to you, a little bit forward. And you know that thing in the dream where the monster's chasing you, and no matter how far you run, you can't get away from it? I. I think we're the monsters here, lad. That sits well with me. You can't leave, can you? You're as trapped in the nightmare as everyone else. You have to play by the same rules. Ah, and the Nightmare Rook swears in Sylvan. Yeah. Flies upwards and is flying up, seeming like it is going to circle round to its nest. It actually can't get into the forest. You don't know whether you can't either, but you yeah. probably don't care. No. Uh, at this point, it is 80 foot up. Yep. And about there. Yeah. And looks like it is flying up towards its nest. Yep. Alright. It's Kaelin. Yes, it is. So, Kaelin will draw two things from uh, his bag and, um, uh, put one to, and put one on the ground out next to Corwin. So, I'm thinking this beastie thinks we can't fly. And it is, in fact, two potions of fly that Caelan has just drawn. Yeah. So, move action to draw. Um, move action to give one to Corwin. Yeah, or you can just drop one and he can take Well, I mean, traditionally you said if I drop them, they break. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But he can take one on his own for his move action if you desire, if you so desire. Cool. Okay, so mo- I drink. I drink my potion of fly. I draw and drink my potion yeah, of fly. So, because it's all happening at the same time, you draw and drink one, and sort of thrust one towards him yeah. without trying to get it directly in his hands, and he will have to take it on his own. Back. Yeah, he doesn't have to fly, but it, it, it seemed like it might be the thing to do. And I will just check your fly speed on that. 
It may be tough to catch it, but it's got to help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you are very confident you will be slower than the book because it's got a fly speed of eighty foot. Yes, but I only and, need, and perfect fly. Yes, but I only need to get within throwing weapon range, and so does Corn. He'll have to go hit his spear, but. Uh, so you have good flight, um, and you go forty foot. Yep. But I can't fly this round because I drew the potion and drank it. Correct, and I just need to get the um, flying rules, which is one of the things I never remember in D and D. Just there, so gods. Kaelin looks very happy, like um. Wrecking extremely large amounts of my, my, mindless violence on this thing is really um, the best thing that's happened to him all night. Okay, so at, at good flight, you are mostly good. You can stop in the air, you can move backwards, you can turn around. You are very slightly impeded by various things. Cool. Um, you can get up and move around instead of being so excited by this fight, but I forget to do that. Very real possibility. Okay, and it's Corwin. So Corwin, for his round, will take the potion you're giving him and, and drink, drink it. it. Yep, so we can now, bo- we both use our actions, we can both fly. I don't know if the rook, the rook may well be able to pick up that we're drinking flight potions, it may have been able to hear what I just said, but um, it may not, too. You are uncertain. Cool, that's fine. But ultimately, there are only so many places it can actually go. Yep, so what's it doing? Uh, so Corwin is in fact going to take your potion, not drink, drink it, it, and, and move to Nettle Spike. Cool, so he now um, he's now standing atop his spear. Yeah, and basically just puts a foot on it, on the yep. off chance the rook's going to come by and get it. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be a bit slower than me, but yeah. as he points out, he has a real throwing weapon, not a sword that I'm pretending is a throwing weapon. Well, your, your sword is literally a throwing weapon, yeah. which enables you to throw it. It is absolutely sacrificed because the throwing weapon is as perfectly well-weighted for throwing as the spear. Yeah. Sacrifice is the best sword. They, they all have their great abilities, but sacrifice just solves so many problems. Okay, and the rook disappears from sight as it flies out of your sight, and you see the nest shake slightly yeah. and settle as it lands sort of 90 feet up here on the other side of this nest. Yep. And it vanishes from sight and you cannot see what it is doing anymore. Cool, that's fine. All right. And then we're back to you. Cool. Um, Kaelin double moves and um, flies um, 80 foot up into the air. Yep, which... But he can't throw the um, sword because he can't see the damn thing. Also, he double moved. That takes you 40 foot. When you were going up, you fly at half speed. Oh, right, okay. Based on how flying rules work. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Kaelin flies up 40 foot. Yep. 40 foot up a 90 foot thing. Yep. So, Corwin picks up Nettle Spike. Yep. Leans down, picks it up, drinks the flying potion. Yep, and that's his two actions. Yep. The rook does something that you can't see. Yep. The nest continues to shake, 
and nothing alarming happens from your point of view. Like yeah. Fire doesn't rain down from the sky. Yeah. Chunks of nest don't I, fall I imagine it's got a plan. It's sitting up there doing its thing. Yeah, maybe healing. Maybe it's got healing potions in there. That would certainly be smart. Um, and then it is back to you. Cool. So, um, well, given that I'm just climbing, Caelan will fly... Another 40 feet up. Yep. Double move and hit 80 foot. So he's nearly to the top. And, yeah, because you are flying, the rook is not hugely incentivized to try and come round and hook you, where it might be if you were climbing up and were flat footed and things like that. But it's more than smart enough to realize that it has no actual, no no massive advantage over you in the air. There's no point in coming down and engaging you if it wasn't prepared to before. Uh, so Corwin at this point will fly forty feet. Fly forty feet up. Cool. Now you are also going to have to either go sideways to get around the nest because there's basically a giant yeah, yeah. thing here that is the size of this map. Yeah. Or just go through it, depending on what your um. That sounds like that sounds like me. It depends on how difficult it looks like it'll be to go through it. Oh, I mean, these are big tree branches that you're cutting into here. They're not solid, thick tree trunks, however. Galen would be reasonably confident, given how much um, damage you can plough out. Cool. Well, what he might do is, um, she sacrifice and quick draw the adamantine greatsword when it comes to the yeah, cutting time. which ignores its hardness. That's yeah. Fair thing. Alright, but in any case, um, so Corwin flies 40 feet up, the yep. rook gets another... The rook does nothing again, apparently. Yep. Alright, and um, Kaelin will quick, quick sheath, um, sacrifice, quick draw his adamantine greatsword. Um, you came into my home and wrecked it. Time I returned the favour. And flies... <laughs> flies straight up towards it. Flies, flies ten feet up, uh, up to ninety feet, the height of the nest, and begins hacking the bejesus out of, of it until there's a giant Kaelin-sized hole. Cool. So... You might as well full out power attack the nest. The yeah. only incentive not to is that it uh, screws your attacks of opportunity, and as yeah. you haven't managed to make one yet. Yeah. Um, so at that point, um, I know this because you have six strength, don't you? I do have six strength. Cool. So as long as you don't roll a one, you hit the nest, but I will still oblige you to roll it. Because of the Titania thing. I don't roll a one. Cool. So Caleb rushes up and just wallops into the branches as hard yep. as he can. They begin to shatter and splinter and roll me your damage with full power attack on. Okay. Which is um, because it's a you're a I believe you're adding plus 14 uh, 28, plus 28 damage to it. Yes, plus I am adding. 14. Yes. Alright, so um, the nest is not made of fey magic material. Yeah, yeah, I know, but this is my great sword damage. Hardness, which is relevant. Yeah, alright, so, um... Okay, so... 14... I presume it's not gold mine. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it very much just appears to be inanimate branches like an ordinary bird's nest, just huge in scale, and the ergo thicker branches. Alright, 13 plus 28. Um, okay, so... With the adamantine ignoring the hardness of this, you simply cleave through it. Uh, you are not doing enormous amounts of damage to it, but it is definitely big enough to 
make yourself a five foot hole that you can pop through. Excellent. Alright, so because I moved ten feet up in the air yep. and then attacked, yep. that's my turn. Yep. But can I see the my head's just sticking out the hole? Can I see the rook? Yes. So it is sitting in the nest at this point. I'll put it on. In dead centre here. Let's just yep. elevate this map. Because yeah, yeah. effectively I can draw another layer, but you're probably not yeah. going back down. It is sitting in the nest. Um its head tucked into its wing like this. It looks like it is kind of sleeping or like a roosting bird and it looks a, a reasonable amount less bloody than it was. It is no longer, it is still bloodied, but yeah. no longer as substantially. It has been healing itself. It doesn't seem to be drinking potions or anything like that. There's it's, nothing in here. It's using rest. It's roosting. Yeah, yes. it's using roost. Yes. Alright. Um, and Kalen will, for the end of his turn, quick sheath the um, adamantine great sword and quick draw sacrifice. Yeah. So, so he's got the um, his chosen weapon out for next round. Cool. So that's the um, that's the actual size of the bird. That is the nightmare rook's actual size. Cool. Which means Kalen is now close enough to actually just start working working on it next yes, round. Yes, you're going to want to step to um, five fly. foot fly up through the hole, yeah. otherwise it'll have cover against yeah, you. Yeah. And its AC is decent, so it's worth worrying about. I'm also going to want to fly over a bit so Corwin can get up through the hole. Uh, Corwin's actually just going to go around the outside, because oh, yeah. he's by the edge anyway. Oh, yeah. It'll take him just as long to come back and go oh, through sweet. the hole cool. as it would to go around the outer edge. Yeah. So he will fly up again. Yep. And that's him. Cool, and it's the rook. Alright, so the rook can pretty blatantly see the hole coming through. Yeah, Carolyn's basically ginsued its nest with a giant, you know, walkity-walkity-walk. I think it probably gets to wake up if it wants to. Yeah, its its sleep appears to be fundamentally supernatural. Like, the start is, nobody goes to sleep in 12 seconds. Yeah. Um, Secondly, it goes from its head is tucked away... To it just instantly in a moment yanks its head out, its eyes wide awake and alert, and it Ah You do not come into my nest my dream How dare you you insect and brings the peck down on you. Yeah. And then you see huge bird claws going wrong wrong and yep. raking at the nest as well. So your AC is too higher here. Yeah. Because it's gotta rake for its own nest to get at you. Yep. Excellent. And it will full attack you with both talons and bite. Yep. Uh, Cryptfish is, Cryptmus is one of them. Uh, 34 on the second one. Uh, which will equal even with the cover. Cool. Uh, and less on the bite. Yep. So one of the raking talons smashes through the nest and just takes out some chunks of wood. One of them scratches hard across Kaelin. Yep. 27 damage. Yep, that's a good solid hit. Yep. And that is its round. Cool. And then it's Kayla. Yep. Who will fly up uh, up through the um, hole. Uh, not very nice when someone comes into your home and wrecks it, is it? I'd say you have my condolences, but that'd be a lie. Let's meet on equal terms. Alright, so that's ten foot. Yep. So I can't full attack it because I have to get into melee range. Uh, because you've got to pop up. 
Yeah, because you're yeah. going to go up and then and across, then, yeah. and that does mean you will provoke from it as well, steal it against it. Yep. Uh, mm, no, actually what I will do is I will fly up through the hole, yep. five foot, ah, and then full thing. attack throwing weapon. Yep. My bonuses won't be as good, but I won't provoke, and I still get to full attack it. By all means. Um. Okay, uh, first hits a 32, which may or may not do the job. And because you're no longer going up, you can assume you've got all sorts of speed at this point. Yep. A 32 will hit it now that you're out of the hole. Cool. They get deflection aura comes up again, it's protection from good instantly. Yeah, oh, yep. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, which means it doesn't apply to Corwin. Yep. That's hilarious. <laughs> Alright, um... So that's twenty-five points of damage. That first hit. Cool. Then yep. That was a cop. All right. Roll that. All right. That's a miss. Um, that's a Titania miss. Yeah. Um, like it would be a miss anyway, but it's like the, a branch yeah. just it's, swings it's down the, and whacks the ground me in the is eye. not entirely stable here, particularly yeah. for somebody as heavy as you. The nightmare rook is huge, but it presumably isn't all that heavy because it's a bird. Yeah. So you step and your foot goes into the nest and gets snagged by an unlucky branch, trapped for a moment, and you miss. Yep, and the third one is just a flat miss, and again, uh, as these third attacks tends to wing straight past the bird. Yep, and because it's still sacrificed, you um, heal yourself for hitting it. Yes, which is one marvellous, because that claw hit was relatively nasty. Yes, Corwin goes up. Ten foot. Yeah, I was just reasonably confident about this. Um, the Nightmare Rook is not back to where it was in terms of the amount of damage it had, but yep. even that one hit has taken a decent chunk out of its worst thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Corwin will step around again, and instead of closing with at this point, he says, Aye, well, now you're pinned between one and the other, bestie. Where do you fly from here? <laughs> and hurls nettle spike out of the game. Excellent. It's his debate is does he double move and close with yeah. it? Or does he just throw the spear? Uh, his one arcs not quite as gracefully as yours, but that de- that aura of deflection around the rook doesn't seem to come up for him. Oh, right, it's literally got a lower AC because yes. I, because he's not good at life. Yes, protection from good gives it two AC. Yeah. So you don't hit it on yeah. a 31. Corwin does hit it on a 31. Yeah. Um, because he is not good at life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At which point he deals it... 17 points of damage. Ah, uh, yes, because he's got his divine power up as well, so that's going to be making him better at hitting. Yes. Yeah, he was already decent. Like, yeah. he, he can't hit like Kalen can, but he yeah. can do decently. Uh, 
And at that point, the Nightmare Rook looks more or less as wounded as it did when it flew away. Yeah. It's still a couple of hit points up from where it was from roosting for two turns, but yeah. what it can gain ain't what you can put out. Yeah. And that wasn't... And, and Kaelin's... I mean, now he can full attack Kaelin if he wants, but Kaelin's good attack is coming next round where he can close to melee. And, and um, his attack bonuses are all going to go up quite a bit. <laughs> seen how this rolls uh, the rook is going to turn and ah, to Corwin yeah. you don't belong here in a dream your ladies may have put you here but I can take you out again where do you go what happens to you next doesn't matter to me just get out of my Nest! And full attacks him. Yep. On the basis that maybe Corwin has a lower AC than you do. Which is true. Yes, yes, it it really is. Uh, Misses with the first talon, hits with the second. And less hit points. Crit threats with the bite. Yep. And confirms the crit with the bite. Oh, nasty. On the other hand, um, even with me having used up all his high level spells, he can still um, heal himself to what better than I can. So Corwin is more or less fine going into this. Um, the Talon scratch across Corwin's heavy adamantine armor, uh, yeah. which does him three less damage because Lovely. it's all physical damage. And then the giant bite comes down. Ooh, that's nasty. And at this point, the huge pincer-like beak comes down on Corwin, splits, and jams into each side of his shoulder, and Corwin winces as it punches into the adamantine armor, denting it slightly, and he... Oh, oh I'm going to feel that one come winter. Mm. Come on, beastie. Still standing. <laughs> as he takes 79 hit points worth of damage total. Oh. But is still comfortably standing. He is past body, but he's still pretty good. Yep. Campbell. Let me see if I can get this right. Your time's up. I love it. And Kellen will step in and nearly full attack with sacrifice the Feybane weapon. Yep, yep. So looking at how the rook is going, you can actually see... Um, Corwin's weapon is gone again. I need to redraw it on the map. Yeah. On the same side. It is sitting over here. Um, but he's not playing on um, stabbing it again. Yeah. If he gets another round at it, he's pretty confident he can death touch it once you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming it's still alive by the time you get there. Alright, let's see if this is as cool as I want it to be. Oh, that's a good start. Uh, rest. Uh, more than 40. Yep. Okay, so that's... That's still plus 14. So 26 points of damage. Yep. I'll say 
We'll roll on the d6s. Yep. And... The rook is hurt. Uh, 34. The rook is stabbed. Uh, and... 24. The rook is quite badly hurt. And... Uh, let's, yeah, no. And the third one I miss him clean. It's just um, it's just too agile to get that third hit off. But Kalen looks and Kalen looks a little. Uh, Kalen de- swings in, deals a couple of brutal blows with sacrifice, and looks a little better. Yeah, like you could do this all day. So at this point, you have heard bones cracking from the book. Thin bird-like bones. You know, each one the size of your arm, but still quite thin. Cracking under these blows, the rook is being pierced in multiple places. Ah, 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 and it is shaking violently, molting feathers now in a storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is pretty close to death. Yeah, but uh, that's all of Ke- that's all of Kale's. Oh right, it's cords. Oh, you you poor sad bastard. Yeah, yeah. And presuming that you have no objections as a player to Corwin oh, Lord, stealing no. this, he is going to close on it and try and use his death touch. Go right ahead, Corwin. Okay, so he walks up towards it, and given how this is going to go, he will come up and flank it with you. Yep. As he steps around towards it, and the rook reaches out and lashes out with its beak again, as Corwin just openly provokes walking up to it. Yep. In fact, he will cast... It doesn't matter what he casts, he's in range anyway. He hopes it doesn't have combat um, reflexes. Yep. Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. This is his um, sort of natural ability, so he doesn't yeah. work doing it. And if he was empowering the spell, what he does is empowers it over there and then touches the thing, and yeah. that only provokes the ones for walking up. Uh, no, he's um, in range over here. Oh, uh, right, right, because it's got such massive breeze, of course. Of course, because this is its body he's walking up to, not its bird head. Okay, so... It deals him another 11 points of damage. Cool. As it lands a weak rake, well, it's thrashing around, yeah. it sees the danger coming. Yeah. The talons scrape across the adamantine armor and do not pierce through it. And Corwin walks up to it. And he says, You've been around a long time, Rook. A lot longer than him. A lot longer than even me. But this time you stuck your beak in the wrong kingdom. Who knows how long you could have gone on without this. But right now I know only one thing. Sure as I know that I'm heading back to my rest in the paradise when this is over. I know, rookie, that your time is up. And his eyes turn cold black and his finger crackles with energy as he steps forward to try and touch it. Yep. With his full base attack now. What's this thing's touch AC like? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. He cannot miss this thing. Yeah. He just. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's, a, it's the size of a building. There's the downsides as well as the advantages to that. He just grabs one flailing wing. Mm-hmm. Um. And touches at a couple of the feathers. 
And negative energy flows out of him like a river. Negative energy flows out of him as he rolls 15d6 in an effort to beat 17, which is its remaining hit points. So he could, in theory, fail if he rolls 15 15 15 ones. He doesn't roll 15 ones. You only roll the first five, and that's all we need to know. He touches the rook's feather, and as he does so, just sort of raises a hand and just strokes it very gently across its flailing wing. And as he does so, the feathers begin to molt off one by one. And as each one does, they turn black and turn to ash before they hit the ground. And the rook's feathers fall away. Ah! No! Not right! No fear! Pain! Death! Nightmares! Ah! Tucks its head back into its back into its wing again and goes to roost again and then just stops and falls over sideways in the nest with a thud and is dead <laughs> life lessons don't mess with Corwin Steel River and don't come into my house and you lad the lady knew its time was up when it reached that. I would have to have been doing that one without you. <laughs> oh. Jesus. I, I don't know how much longer you've got, but you might want to use at least one of your spells on yourself. And Caelan is going to come round. Um, sheath, sheathing sacrifice. He shakes his head slightly as you say this. And he says, it's just pain, lad. Pain lets you know you're alive. And in my case, it don't mean nothing. And he just stops selling it altogether. Yeah. And seems to shake this off without really healing himself. And at this point, you can start to see very partly through him as if he is... In, in every dream, he has been completely solid as if he is really here. Now he is starting to look slightly transparent and ghost-like. And, um... Caelan will reach out for one last uh, Yeah, absolutely. He's, so he is disappearing yeah. as the sequence ends, but yeah. he is not going to vanish immediately. You've got plenty of time to speak with him. Yeah. Takes the arm. Um, I knew you'd always have my back, old friend. But I have to admit I didn't come, expect you to come turn up and save me one more time. It's not, been bloody good to see you again. Not quite how I expected it either, lad. The time is up, but... Turns out, that doesn't mean my story ends. Never quite understood that when we first met. Think I've got a better handle on it now. Been good. To be, been good to be back, if only for a moment. I feel I'd rather be gone, though. That's where I'm meant to be. But as to Stagthorn, as to me lads and me lasses there, you look after them. Give that boy Leo a kick on the ass. Kick up the ass for me. And let him know he's doing a good job. <laughs> Look after your lads. You got some strong ones there. I. They did me. They did me. Pr- he did me. Pr- they did me proud tonight. Look after your brothers. Look after your family. Look after your people. Seven hells, lad. I don't need to tell you any of this. You're already the best damn king I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I. 
It was bad in there. I was really glad to see you. Thank you for helping me save them. Thank you for everything. Of course, lad. It's one important thing to keep in mind. You're the only king I've ever actually known. <laughs> <laughs> and Caelan will throw his head back and just full throat and laugh. Uh, as Corwin vanishes. And as he fades out, you he he nettle spike and all his associated paraphernalia vanish. As he fades out, you are left holding something in your hand where you have clasped his hand. What is stuck to him, stuck on his death touch as he has killed the rook, which he now passes to you. It is a single long black feather the size of a quill. Yep. And touching it makes you feel here, more alert, significantly more alert and awake. Out in the waking world, when you touch it, you feel the opposite. It doesn't put you to sleep, but it's mm. somnolent. You could sort of hold it and, and nod off. Um, and then the perch and the forest of a thousand voices around you begins to disintegrate and disappear. And at this point, Kalen sort of wakes gently up in his bed, not actually sitting bolt upright because you are not afraid and drenched with sweat when you go in. You definitely feel like your bedclothes have been kicked all around the room. You're yeah. drenched in sweat. Yeah. Um, and I've got um, burn marks on my face. Yeah, your light armor mm-hmm. that you usually wear to bed <laughs> is sort of disjointed and pulled around yeah. your body. You've got burn marks on your face. Um, you... Your cheek also stings as if someone quite strong has slapped you a couple of times, yeah. there, which wasn't Tobias, presumably that was Michaela after the fact, yeah. has come in, shaken Kayla, whacked him a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but you are awake, alert, and in your hands you have this black feather. Cool, I'm writing that down there. So, Kayla will take a moment and put that carefully away. Yep. And then, oh, bloody hellfire, kids. And he will get up, um, draw his um, greatsword off the wall, and um, sprint sprint into the um, kids' bedroom. Okay. You rush in to see them. Um, the room looks like it has been subject to an attack. This yep. does not surprise you in any yep. way. The shutters have been forced. Um, yep. There are burn marks and claw marks and things like that. Nobody is here. Um, children, Tobias, nobody. However, very clearly and evidently in the door, there is a note that has been jammed into it with a dagger. Yeah. With Michaela's handwriting on it that says everything is all right. All right, so... And does not contain any information on where they are, because Michaela is too paranoid to write that in case somebody else came in to get it. Yeah, so Kaelin... Freaks out, looks at the note, freaks, de-freaks out, and then heads off for the castle looking for people. Yeah. Now, it must... And, and, and frankly, a dead run, because, you know, yeah. he's been waiting to be conscious for quite some time now, and the fact that the crisis may be over is not soothing him down until he sees it with his own eyes. It must be said, you actually wake up feeling pretty good, um, as if you have had a full night's um, solid rest in Yeah. There. I think physically, sure. Psychologically, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been asleep for five yeah. minutes and it my, was horrifying. My message is if you're on any hit point damage, it is gone at this point. Cool. 
Yeah, sweet. So I haven't taken the um, damage that I took in the Rook fight. It hasn't translated back to the Waking World. Uh, how badly damaged are you? Uh, 114. Out of? 157. Cool. So, functionally, no, because A, Corwin could heal him before he disappears yeah. with more, and B, that that damage has actually happened to your mind and yeah. therefore to your body, because hit points yeah. are pretty abstract, but you also then get healing for sleeping through the night. Right, and my sleeping through the night has recovered me a lot of it. Yes, among yeah. other things, Corwin could blast you with several healing spells before he vanishes anyway. Yeah. It just um, wasn't necessarily terribly dramatic. No, also one that would make Kalen feel like a sissy girl, given that Corwin wasn't healing himself. No, but given that he's going back to being dead, he really yeah. doesn't need the hit points. Yeah. He's like, well... I could spend a couple of rounds casting cure critical wounds on myself, but why? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you rush out, you realise rapidly a couple of things. Um, for one thing, dawnlight is just breaking over the horizon and the entire night has passed. Yeah, Kellen will actually pause as he notices this, look out a window and check that A, the sun is coming up, and B, there isn't a nightmare rook over the castle. And just as you are pushing the door open you see a very bleary-looking guard just outside your door, sort of pushing himself to his feet, looking alarmed and kind of reaching for a sword and trying very hard to look attentive and, like, yeah. he totally hasn't gone to sleep on duty because yeah. he's serious. He looks quite seriously alarmed to discover that he has. Yeah. And as you rush through the door, um, he salutes you bleary. He says, Your Majesty, I was... Uh, uh, There was a a magic attack on the castle. It's not your fault. I'm just looking for... Well, everyone, really. Uh, Stand to and let's have a look around the castle, see what's going on. Yeah. And so, as you come to and look around the castle, everyone is waking up in much the same state. Yeah. Um, People all seem to be awake at pretty similar times, which could be an effect of the sleep being dispelled, because people fell asleep at weird times. It could also be the fact there are a whole bunch of people running around the castle shouting at the top of their lungs and yeah. ringing bells and things and going, what's going on? Alarm, alarm, yeah, yeah. something's uh, happened. Uh, 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 fire is awake, yeah. Kaelin's pretty much in that basket. He um, is upset about what happened tonight. Uh, Van and Svetlana are some of the closest people to you. Yeah. Start emerging blarily from their room in their PJs. Yeah. Um, it, it must said, Van Blairy comes to alert real quick, yeah. real fast. Yeah. Um, and he comes out, looks at you. Kalen, a bespelled sleep. Aye. He looks slightly quizzically at you. I dreamed about you, Jumandi, Mordecai. Aye, Corwin and I helped you um, fight him off. That, uh, that happened. Yeah, it's been a busy night. Rory's grace. Uh, Tobias, um, fought off an attack on Brandon Micah with, um, Triss while the rest of us were asleep. I, um, Michaela says she's got the boys, but I'd kind of like to know where. And Svetlana, when she hears this, goes ice cold. Who did this? Uh, a creature called the Nightmare Rook. Is it dead? Very, very, very dead. <laughs> and, uh, actually, Michaela's... Very, very, very dead. And Kalen's voice goes equally cold. Good. Grabs you, pulls you in, plants a kiss on your cheek, then lets you go again. And there's just the slightest moment where Varden gives us the slight, the smallest sideways look where he normally wouldn't touch it, yeah. but after that dread, yeah. it's like, but no. 
It was three things. So, but it would have been for nothing if um, Tobias hadn't killed um, 20 or so snatcher things on his own. Yeah, there are corpses all over yeah. the floor in the room, unsurprisingly. Yeah. And uh, um, then um, Triss killed the giant spider that was climbing up the walls. And Cap takes a deep breath. I saw the whole thing, but I couldn't. I was asleep. I couldn't do anything to stop it. It's all right. It's all right. Our children are safe. Everything is all right now. Michaela, so much for a night's rest. Michaela will have them somewhere safe. We can trust her. Yeah. Aye. Aye. You're right. And it takes you a fairly solid ten minutes to actually track them down. Yeah. Because Michaela has essentially taken them to a random servant's bedroom. Yeah. Picking a location entirely at random where no one is likely to find them and they're yeah. fortified up with the children Tristan and Triss. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what would betide anything that came through that door? Yeah, yeah. I think um, when we finally figure it out where it is, Kayla will knock and call out before he comes through the door. And a number of reports start pouring in at yeah. this point, and I'll, I'll probably just drop to out of character at this yeah. point. So, but uh, actually, can I just do the coming into the children's bedroom a- thing? Absolutely. So you get word because Michaela will basically hear the noise, yeah. come out and say, you know, what's happening? Okay, yeah. cool. Tell the king we're in here. A guard rushes up to you. They're in the servants' quarters, just past here. Blah blah blah. This way, Your Majesty. Dig dig yeah. dig dig dig, and you hint to them. Yeah. Um, Tristan and Triss are basically on opposite sides of the room. Triss, like, looking sideways at him. Tristan yeah. not blaring back, because yeah. he's not that sort of person. Michaela between them, frankly. Yeah. And the children lined up in a string of servants' cots on the back wall. Yeah. And Tobias has actually gone to sleep at this point? Uh, there's been enough noise and things, and running around yeah. and shouting, that they are actually sort of blarily awake, and just kind of lying yeah. there in their blankets, looking vaguely soothed. Yeah. So, Caelan will hug Brandon and hug Micah. Da, da. And then, um... Okay, da. Just scary dreams. And, um, then we'll tuck them back in. And then... Dreams can't hurt you, da. And we'll then, um, come over and hug Tobias. Thank you. Da. Are you... I couldn't wake you. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> it's okay, lad, least of my worries. I was I was kinda of, I was there but I couldn't I couldn't wake up. I, I saw what happened. I'm so proud of you. You did what you had to do to protect your brothers. I'm so proud of you. And then he will look over at Triss. Thanks. I owe you. I owe you huge. You saw that. I, I, I tried. It, it didn't. I was fighting the dream monsters with Corwin, but uh, I kind of stopped and just watched that. But I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. The nightmare rook, I would guess. I. I felt it. I felt it in my mind as I was drifting off to sleep. You. Never forget the touch of a fate touch sleep. Aye, I can imagine. I don't think I'll forget this night if I live to be a hundred, which I certainly won't. He, uh, he won't be doing that anymore.
Kaylin will sit down on one of the beds, yep. sc- scoop Brandon and Micah onto yep. his lap. And snuggle them. And um, snuggle them. <laughs> and I imagine Switlana will run in and grab yeah, Tobias so. and there's a general family reunion. <laughs> oh, um, and Kaylin not being the most tactful of men and having just had, had a really bad night and hung out, we'll call and we'll say, oh, and congratulations you two to Tristram and Michaela. <laughs> They are standing in the corner yeah. and holding hands with yeah. each other with that sort of, both of them have a death grip on the other one, like yeah. they're afraid to let go. It's about damn time. And as you say this, they, they both let go and <laughs> Michaela looks very awkward. Yeah. And then Tristan reaches out and gently takes her hand again. Yeah. I don't want to know how long you've known about this, do I? <laughs> I tried to drop you... I, I tried to drop you both a hint several times. Then you knew about the Kayla turns to him, leans in, <laughs> leans in towards him, and kisses him softly and gently again, pulling the veil slightly aside as she does so. So some things are better left unspoken. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> oh, uh, certainly. <laughs> I didn't mean to framoozle the Jimbo. It it doesn't matter, kid. It's all all alright. Everything's alright. Everyone's okay and everyone's here and we're all alright. And now that we've found everybody, um, I I, I think, um, whatever Paul Lass's room this is would probably appreciate us moving back up to our quarters. We barely fit in here at this point. And, um, so was Alice and were Alice and Crystal in the castle? Yes, but I I didn't do their did I did I you you haven't you have in fact done their dreams we yeah. just haven't done them as a um yeah as an interactive scene because I didn't want to do everyone and yeah I they're probably not having anything amazing that you yeah. wouldn't expect yeah I think I have a pretty clear idea of what Crystal's is Crystal's Crystal's would be getting raped yeah um, well she is exaggeratedly helpless yeah. Um, and Eldis's, I would very much imagine, is actually an odd reflection of trust. Because I'll, I'll just cover these briefly. Yeah. If there's anyone you're interested in, yeah. you can ask. Cressel's um, one is she is being held down by Horatio Sotova, who in her dream is hulking and mighty, yeah. and she's almost the very effeminate French maid. Isn't yeah. it? Um, in Eldis's dream, he is sitting in an important political meeting, Except, like Tristan, whenever he stands up to speak, he comes out with gobbledygook, gook. And the other lords look deeply offended and start making battle plots against House Thorn. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, and, um, and doubtless Father and Crystal will want to um, be down in here seeing everybody and then the brood may burst. So we move, the, we yeah. move the kid, we just carry the kids back upstairs. Yeah, into the nice, uh, spacious king's quarters. Yeah. And indeed, people will start filing up to check, my God, what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kaylin is basically going to spend the morning here, you know, with his children under his yeah. eye, and yeah. if people want to discuss all, all, all important business, they can damn well come in here. Guards are sent to the woods to find Bryn, yeah. tell her what's happened and bring her back. She, of course, just shows up independently, having slipped past everyone without being seen. Yeah. Um, comes in and... and no, Bad night. <laughs> and Kaelin will fling himself on her like a drowning man. Terrible night. Something threatened our calmness, didn't it? 
Ai. Tell me about it. <laughs> okay, I'll more relate the priestess, which is that Tobias is awesome and everything that opposed us. Tobias is awesome, Trish is awesome, and everything that opposed us is dead now. And Bryn will actually listen to all this, growling at the appropriate points, and then at the end of it, turn to Tobias, who is presumably still in the room. Oh, yeah, 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 I don't want him going any... Yeah. Uh, he, he's one of the people I am... He and Brandon and Micah are three yep. people I'm just going to be watching like a hawk for a couple of hours until I get a, until I get to the place where I can let them, you know, leave the room and stuff. Turns to... Um, turns to Bryn will actually turn to Tobias, go over to him and crouch down beside him, and she says... Mm. You fought bravely. You did well. Yeah. Thanks. She says, mm. No, things are not what you would expect between mm. all of us. You are not my child, not of my blood. But even before you save my cubs, you are my pack. You understand? I, I think. Like wolves, yes. We fight for each other. We protect each other. One pack, one kingdom, one family. You are with us. She will grab him and pull him in and hug him at this point here. Oh. <laughs> like, Brynn is a pretty weird stepmother to have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but at this point he's like, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's actually really kind of nice. <laughs> Anyone threatens you, threatens me, threatens Caleb. Yeah. Oh. Reports will come in to you throughout the day um, that basically tell you everyone in the ca- everyone within the castle walls, anywhere within the walls or grounds, has had the same experience. They all, almost to a man, fell asleep. Michaela has resisted this, Triss has resisted this, Tobias has resisted this, and that's it. Yeah. Um, They're El Jumande and Master Pedro. Yeah, your your random guards are less horrified once they discover that everyone went to sleep <laughs> yeah, instead yeah. of just them. Um, people have recollections of vague, horrible nightmares, and everyone is able to describe them like vaguely. You know, Leon would tell you I was... I was in a meeting where I didn't understand anything. I had to make a presentation, and you were there. Um, he doesn't obviously mention the Order of the Silver Twilight, yeah. but he doesn't actually seem to remember it. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's got this vague... It's very much the vague dream of I went to school without my pants on, but yeah, I can't yeah. remember all the details. Le- Le- I'm just checking what the time is. Leon's dream was very, um, very reminiscent. You know, guards... I've actually had that one. Guards report being eaten by monsters or being caught by the king when they're busily, um, you know doing drugs off duty and all this sort of thing. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. for arbitrary reasons, I decided to go make out with this hooker on duty instead of yeah. guarding the king. And I, bet, I don't know how it happened, but you've just caught me with my pants around my ankles. Yeah, and I, I skipped out all the intervening steps. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet um, Kaelin actually showing up in their dream wasn't a big help yeah. in some of those. But they don't remember all of the all of the nitty-gritty details of it. Yeah. Varn and Tristan seem to have a reasonable handle on Varn's Clear, you know, he was. He says, "I was at a wedding, my wedding, I think, to Svetlana or Jumandi. They were both there. 
Fordekai was there, and you, you shook him off, and, and, um, Tristan says, Michaela was there in mine. Quintessa, eldest, I, I wasn't welcome in the family. She was there for me, though. So was Caleb. I remember that much, short place. And most people have not enough impression to actually realize you were necessarily traipsing around in their dreams in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, bad dreams can't hurt you. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry, Dad. Bad dreams can't hurt you. Like, the, the two kids, Brandon and Micah, just shake this off immediately. Like, yeah. Like, within 20 minutes of being up, they're demanding to get out of cuddle and be fed breakfast. Yeah. You know, and, okay, we'll have breakfast brought to you. Cool, special thing. Yeah. You know, waffles. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Um, Caelan is in fact going to have breakfast brought to everyone in the bedroom and then he's going to eat a really large amount like they, <laughs> because he's tired they bounce back within yeah. um, half an hour they yeah. don't even blink at um, you know okay we had we all had scary bad dreams now we're awake that, yeah. that just happens yeah. and doesn't dream- everyone black out sometimes yeah, yeah and then I dreamed I played with Dar and my toys Dar can we play with my toys yeah pretty much <laughs> um Tobias is is definitely significantly more haunted by what's happened than the two kids. Yeah, yeah, but um, he had a waking waking yeah. experience and it was horribly traumatic. Yeah, I want to talk to him specifically, but but like he he spends sort of the first half of the day just kind of largely in a shell, but is coming out of it somewhat yeah. by afternoon. Um, and at some point during the day, um, and um, obviously once. The initial family thing has calmed down a little. Caelan's going to ask someone to go check on the old Belle Dame because she's died in the night. Yep. And at some point during the day, uh, Sootscales, Amanth, um, First and Huxley will turn back up for yep. their um, adventures and effectively look at what's happening here and go, okay, this is not really important enough to disturb you with. Please tell the king that we blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then later they will fill you in on the details. Yeah, I, I will congratulate them because, you know, it still counts. Um, people go off to find the old Beldame. And yes, I, I'm afraid she did pass away in her sleep, Lord. I, 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 I knew it. Um, please have a body brought to the um, one of the churches to take care of in the short term and... We'll look into, uh, see if she had a will or anything about what she wanted done with her remains. Of course. Uh, the other thing you will get reports of is about four or five kilometers outside of Elk's Rest, essentially just in a random chunk of woodlands. Um, hunters and trappers out there report something unusual into the king. They have found a gigantic bird corpse. Sweet. Um, and it is exactly what you would expect. The Nightmare Rook's body is lying on the ground out there at just seemingly an arbitrary point somewhere outside the city. As if, and it looks as if it has been stabbed several times and run through with spears. Yeah. None of that damage lethal, and then it has just suddenly died. Yeah. The body cannot live without the mind. So you also have a gigantic carcass out there. Yeah. Um, what you're going to do with that, you know. Honestly, in the next couple of days, Kaelin will um, probably traipse out there and shear its head clean off its body on general, uh, on general principles. Yeah, I mean, you can't just get... You're the king. You just yeah. get people to do this for you. Yeah. No, this one... <laughs> Kaelin yeah, will yeah. personally... Assign a guard to it just in case it's faking. Yeah, yeah. No, Kaelin will personally traipse out there and decapitate the thing just on general principles. Kaelin's really damn pissed about this one. <laughs> um... 
and word will reach you of what's happening in um, uh, Fort Drelev, and Lillian's basically um, sends you a message that says, I'm sitting on my ass tight here until yeah. we have some better idea of what's happening. Yeah. Um, presuming you don't desperately need me to return to Elves Rest, I yeah. do it here. Yeah. Alright. And yes, you sit with your children for some time. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything um, else that you want to do or pursue on screen here? Uh, yes. Um, I want to have a conversation with Tobias. Yep. Happy to do that now if you want. Yeah. And, and basically... Um, sort of mid-afternoon the same day. Yeah, yeah, that sounds... As, as he's starting to unfurl a little bit. Yep. Um, and basically, um, this isn't something that Kayla knows, but Tobias really wants an answer to... It, having played Tobias for yep. that part, he really wants an answer to what the changeling child... What the changeling was that he killed. Yep. So... I would imagine, it's, but um, I figure I'll do Kaelin and you do Tobias because that's less complicated than the other way around. Certainly so. So, um... I, I wouldn't actually know where to begin with Kaelin. Yeah. So, um... We'll sit down with Tobias. It's a hard thing, projecting yourself and your little brothers the way you had to when you're still so young. I wouldn't have wanted you to have to do either of the things that you had to do to protect your family. Wanted your life to be a bit easier than it's been so far. I am glad you did such a good job of protecting them, but it's a hard thing. And it's alright to be upset and sad and angry. Anything else you might be feeling now, it's all over. I'm sorry I couldn't be there for you. It's okay. I, I know. It was scary when I, I couldn't wake you, but I know now you were caught up in in the dreams, and it sounded like you were f- fighting for the kingdom too. Did did and he goes very quiet for sort of a long two minutes here. Then did did I do the right thing? What do you mean? I, I killed them. The statues. And Brandon and Micah. Oh. They were there too. Uh, Uncle. Uh, Uncle Triss? Triss. I shot. Uncle Triss. Triss shot one. I killed one of them. I killed Micah. But it it wasn't Micah. No, it wasn't Micah. But it, but it wasn't Micah. Like, how Tristan isn't Triss. And we didn't kill either of them. Mm-hmm. I can see why you're worried about that. I would like to ask... I would like to ask Uncle Tristram... It's a tough thing to ask him, but he's the one who'll know best. Do you want to come along with me while I ask him that? No, 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 no. Oh, and we will go and find Tristram. And he will tell you, and, and the Snatchers, too. It's not so bad, because they didn't, they they weren't Brandon and Micah, or not Brandon and Micah. No, they were, they were trying to kill your family, and they needed killing. 
But I can see why you're worried about the other little the, the other creatures. Yeah, because he's actually got some que- some questions here that aren't that Tristan isn't necessarily going to be able to yeah, answer. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk through that. Continue that conversation as you walk with him. Yeah. Um, but they were they were Fay, like Pelavish, or like like Tristan. I we shouldn't kill we shouldn't kill El El Fay creatures because they're citizens of our kingdom, but. Just like the people who tried to hurt you in Svetlana, if people are trying to kill you, it's okay to kill them. They, they weren't trying to kill them though. They, they said they weren't going to hurt Brandon and Micah. They wanted to take them away to a place of peace, away from all the fighting. I, I believe them. I can tell sometimes when people are lying. I don't think they were lying. They didn't whisper. Nay, but taking people away from their family, that's why you haven't, you know what happened to Triss, eh? He had to grow up on his own, away from his family, because fake creatures came and took him away from his family and they never brought him back. Yeah. That's what they wanted to do to Brandon and Micah. They don't necessarily understand that, but that's as bad as killing people. Brandon and Micah wouldn't have wanted it. No. And it was the wrong thing to do. And they had no right to come in here and try and take... They had no right to come in here and try and take them. So, yeah, you did the right thing to kill them. That was what needed to be done. If they didn't want to get killed, they shouldn't have come into our house and tried to take our family. Okay. Give give them a big hug. And sometimes when you're in danger that way, you have to just make the best decisions you can. You can't always know when thing when you have to make decisions fast. You just have to do the best you can. You can't always do the thing you might do if you had a whole month to think about it. Okay. And you go and see Tristan. Yeah. So this is um, Kaylin's going to try and word this as gently as possible because yep. this is a. This is a pretty tense topic. Caelan, Tobias, everything okay? Not really. We need to talk to you about what happened last night. Sure, sit. Here to help if I can. The snatcher things came in with two creatures that looked like Brandon and Micah. I heard. I went up to look to see if I could find... I, uh, in fact, that one went past me. So I, I heard about the snatches, but not quite that. I went up to see if I could find anything, but uh, Triss was pretty thorough in cleaning up. Oh, so I just remembering there were, in fact, courses all over the floor because Triss trashed them all and then burnt yeah. them to ashes. What Tristan would have found and what you will be able to find is there was a pile of burnt fey corpses down mm-hmm. at the bottom of that tower. There were a lot of snatches coming at Tobias, and he had to act fast. Yes, and they're not they're not terribly dangerous in one or two of them, but in a large group, it must have been very terrifying. And he, in the fighting, he killed one of the one of the two creatures that looked like Brandon and Micah. 
put, put my hand on Tobias' shoulder, and he's pretty upset about it. Ah. Were they, were, were they changelings like you, Uncle Tristan? And Tristan sort of winces as invisibly as he can pull off. And then he says, Yes, sort of, but it's quite different. It's okay. You you did what you had to. But would they would they grow up to be like not Brandon and Micah, like how you're not Tris? Tristan again winces slightly, like Tobias is just too young to pick up all the yeah. um, social nuance of this. Yeah, yeah. And but... as a as a as and... still um like at this point he's about the he's a, he's about the physical and emotional equivalent of a nine and ten year old, but yeah. he's still reasonably self um self centered. Yeah, yeah, but, all, uh, but also he needs to know. Yeah. Like I wouldn't let him come and ask Tristan with that if he didn't need to know, but he does need to know. Yeah. Yes, it it's a little different. The thing is, I replaced Triss as a baby. I don't know exactly when, but he wouldn't have been more than a couple of days old. He was barely aware the world existed. Everything was just sort of blurry lights and colours and sound to him. And the same for me, he says, I, I don't remember any of it. I don't remember a lot of my early life like children don't. And you know, you, you must struggle to remember things from before you were three. And Tobias gets a bit defensive and says, I remember Da. I, I mean, Da Oleg, that is. Yes, that that's good. But do you remember where you live? The house, he says. <laughs> The first thing I knew was I was in House Thorn, being... His eyes flicker slightly across the top of Tobias towards you with kind of a wry look, raised by Elvis. <laughs> raised by Elvis Thorn, like raised, in yeah. quotation marks. Because yeah. <laughs> it was very much done by a string of nannies and things. Yeah. Um, um, he says, but... I grew up the way I did because of how that came out. Like, if you'd grown up not living with your Da Oleg, and then Da Kalen and Da Van, again, the slight, like, yeah. the slight flicker of the eyes. Yeah, Kalen was slightly at that one. Like, if you'd grow up, if you'd grown up in the woods with wolves like Bryn did, or if you'd been born to Fazook, the glassblower, instead, or you'd been raised in his house, then you wouldn't know how to use a sword right now, but you'd know all about glassblowing, and I bet you don't know anything about it. Tobias sort of thinks about this. Yeah. Uh, so we are what we're raised by, but the older we get, it's different. If we picked you up now and put you in Fazook's shop, You'd learn a lot about glass bowling, but you wouldn't forget your mum and dad. You wouldn't forget the things they've taught you. You'd still remember to fight for your family, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
bias chews on this for a little head nods. Yeah, yeah. If they'd been younger, the changelings you took, I don't know what they were originally. A lot of fey things can pass for human pretty easily. It's one of our most common tricks. He says, and as he says this, he smiles, flickers his fingers, casts something, and his ears grow very sort of flat and human, and his appearance changes, and he becomes the most blandest bland man mm-hmm. you've ever seen in a solid sort of leather jerkin mm-hmm. with his beard, with his beard, and looks like Joe Average mm-hmm. instead of Tristan, and then slowly shivers back again. Tobias looks very impressed and then. Yeah. Um, and Tristan says, that always looked like Brandon Micah, but that doesn't make them anything like Brandon Micah. If they were Snatchers, Snatchers age fast, and from our point of view, they die pretty young. A snatcher older than five is very, very old indeed. That's probably what they were, he says, and again flicks his eyes to you very slightly over his head, conveying, I genuinely have no idea. That's probably not true. They were probably some other sort of fae. Um, and indeed, he will um, flicks his eyes to indicate there's more to the yeah. story, and after the fact will say to you, yeah, that so, might well be true. And um, so we'll wrap up the conversation for Tobias's benefit, and basically, Caelan will say... Oh, he's, he's not actually quite oh, done yeah. Tobias's stuff then. Yep. Um, he says, but they were old enough to have made their own, their own choice. And the thing is, they would have known they weren't Brandon and Micah. And when they grew up, they would have grown up knowing that they weren't Brandon and Micah. Just like when you were three, you knew who you were and your da, who your da was and who your da wasn't. If they'd started younger, they would have been innocent. But if they'd started younger, they would have been little babies. They wouldn't have tried to hurt you. They would have just laid on the floor and gone ga-ga-goo-goo. So because they started as something that looked like three-year-olds, they were old enough to have made the choice to come in there? Caelan will say in a voice that indicates that he's heartened by this information. They have to be. It's the only way it works. You'd scarcely be fooled if you came in and found a three-day-old Brandon and Micah lying in the crib, you'd think something was more afoot than just a night's sleep. Well, that's good news. So, it's it's a bad thing, but whatever they were, they'd made the choice to be in there. And sometimes protecting your family involves killing people that might not be all bad. It's not something you should have to do until you're older. But you did the thing that was the best. You protected your family as well as you could, and you did it very well. If you hadn't stopped the snatches, they would have taken Brander and Micah before before Tris could get there. Certainly before I could get there. So you saved them, and that's the important thing to hang on to. That's quite right, Tristan. And so basically, we'll wrap up the conversation with Tobias. Yep. And then after he's gone, I'll sit down with Tristan. Yeah, Tristan. and Tristan sits down okay. with sort of a, a more heavy thud at this point. He says, uh, I'm sorry, but... I know, I, I quite understand. Uh, uh, he needed to know what was going on. I wouldn't have asked that of you under other circumstances. It's no... It, it, absolutely. He's 
Uh, but I old can... enough to have done what he had to do, but young enough that he shouldn't have to carry it. And, uh, you know, they they look like his brothers, and he... I saw his face after he did it, his sword flashed out, and, the, and then the, the little little mica fell down, and, um... Dead God. It's... I can tell you that's going to be giving me... Being there for that fight's going to be giving me more nightmares than everything the rook dug up and threw in my face. I can't even begin to imagine what that was like to watch helpless for you. I... He will hug you. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't have, but it... But I, I needed I needed to know. I think... I wish he had killed that one and, um... Uh, Tris killed the other one. Yeah. Enthusiastically, from the look of things. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know... Understandable for if he hadn't where killed he's the, coming from. If he hadn't killed the giant spider, it was about to kill Tobias, and then at least some of the snatchers would have got out the door with Brandon and Micah. So I'm damn glad he was there, whatever happens. But I'm sorry. I... I was... telling him a part of a lie there. I I don't know without being able to see the bodies more without uh, with no opportunity to see the bodies more clearly exactly what they were. Um, they could have been snatches, but it wouldn't have worked as a long term substitution in because we've noticed when they died of old age. In a couple five. of years Brandon yeah. and Micah would have started aging and playing human makes you behave like one. You'd have a five-year-old tottering around on a cane with grey hair. Mm. But if it was a, more of a short-term substitution plot, it's, it's possible you wouldn't have noticed. Usually changelings are changed at birth for exactly that reason. You grow into what you're supposed, supposed to be. You shouldn't be trying to replace three-year-olds then. If I hadn't found out, it's entirely possible I'd have aged, lived a normal human lifespan and died... You'll live longer now, won't you? Probably. Well, that's good it, as far as it goes. It depends what I am phase <laughs> in a really <laughs> broad category, much much more so than half or. <laughs> well, it's like uh, it's like calling me a humanoid. It's like saying I'm a humanoid, isn't it? it it's true. But it doesn't narrow it down very much. Very much so. It doesn't take into account... Calling you human would be much closer, but humanoid suggests there's not all that much difference between you and a lizard folk. Which, biologically speaking, is not significant compared to, say, something of more avian nature or a fish. But it is an important distinction. But it, it applies just as well to me as it does to Bryn, and it doesn't tell you which one of us is going to live for 160 years and which one will be dead in 20. Quite. Oh. So, I simply can't say what they were, but I'm not sure how long it would have fooled us. You probably would have noticed the children were sullen, different, withdrawn. Well, in any case, that was one of the reasons I was there. If I hadn't been able to stop it, I wouldn't have been able to stop it, but I would have seen them go. I would have known that the substitution had succeeded, and I would have seen which direction they took them. 
the changelings, the things that weren't branded in Micah, they they knew what they were doing, but that's not the same as having a choice. They were children. They were fey. That's the important part here. They they are their nature. They were in service to Titania, yeah? They couldn't they couldn't turn this down. And depending on what they were, is it's their nature to be replacements. To change out, it's it's their purpose. It's like telling you that you can't swing a sword anymore. It's, it's such an inadequate metaphor. Mm. You can choose not to. At any point, you can put your sword down and go become a glass blower. I'm far more human than most of the Fae I know. But I can't choose to be human. I know right now you're probably seethingly angry, and I can't blame you for that, that this thing, this nightmare rook, came into your home and tormented you with these horrible dreams. I remember Quintessa from last night. I hate it, but I don't hate the rook. It's just acting according to its nature. It's a creature of the first world fed with the energies of nightmares. It was doing what it was meant to do. You probably hate Titania as well for sending snatches to take your children. And I don't blame you for that, but she's doing what she thinks is best. She would have taken them away to a beautiful place and raised them in peace and harmony. Gotta say, I'm with Triss on that one. It's not where they were meant to be. And she had no right. But she also had no choice. I haven't given up on... Even despite this, I haven't given up on trying to find another way with her. Even despite the old Beldame and the nightmares and things coming, breaking down the window and trying to take the children. But I understand where Rivetti was coming from. She, there's... I may not be a fae, but we're all what nature has made us. She, She's pushed me pretty hard in this. I, there, ain't, there ain't all that much give left in me. She telling off Tariento another way to edrophy. I knew her for three years. I love her too even despite this. And I know what Oberon and Mad did to her. I felt it when um, when Puck showed me. What she is is not what she was meant to be. Even despite this, I'll try and find another way with her. I won't just strike her down. There's more to it than there was... If she, if she was a mortal opponent, and Galen bites his lip, and um, little trickles of blood come down, down his lip, then this, this would be done 
but I don't want to go down as the one who killed the ten. I don't want to be remembered in him. I'd be quite happy to be remembered as the one who slew Vorda- one of the ones who slew Vordekai. I don't want to be remembered as the one who killed Titania, even despite this. If we can find another way, then I want to find it. For all the good that she's done, for what she is, I want to try and find it, but she's... The old Beldame wouldn't fight her own people. I would, I would that her people, own people would return the favour. He, he winces again like he really has no good counter-argument for that and simply puts a hand on his heart and takes your hand and puts it on his heart. But I know this... Etropetialia. You're... You're on both sides of this war and it means a lot to me that you're fighting for us. It's harder on you in a way than it is on any of us. Uh, I don't mean to push you. He puts a hand on your shoulder and rubs it gently. Gesture of reassurance. Anyway. Thanks. I think that'll... He's got a lot... His plate's burden's a lot heavier than it was yesterday. I think you helped, and I'm glad of the truth, even if it's not what I would have wanted. If the circumstance like comes up again, and I've got the capacity, I, I wouldn't have slayed. I, I wouldn't have slew them in his place. But I'm a man full grown, and I've got more options. He nods, and from this point on, his conversation is just completely incomprehensible. He's yeah. at this point too, um, too wrought up, too yeah. stressed, frustrated, wrought or irate to actually get anything useful out of him anymore. Yeah, that's right. Um, Taylor, but you know, he is trying to like smile and put reassuring hands on you and that sort of thing. He just can no longer fool. Yeah, no. Kaelin moves the conversation to something soothing and unfae related, like yeah. Subclopian ruins yeah. or something in that nature. Why are those on your mind? <laughs> Well, like, you know, why are we... This is not a thing we usually discuss. Why are those in one? You're like, no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't have a dream about Order of the Silver Twilight secret prison. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that's, um... That's where I, that's why I've got so close. Yeah, that's why you've ruins. got Cyclopean ruins on your mind. Even the player had realised. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like, normally I'd just discuss something soothing and fae-oriented, but right now I don't feel like that's a safe topic, so I'm trying to think yeah. something else. Um... I don't know. I want to have a conversation with Van, but I don't know if that's something that wants to be on screen or not. Uh, about his dreams? Yeah, well, about our relationship, I guess. Yeah, you, uh, you're welcome to if you want to. Yeah. You can do that now if you want to. Yep. So, so well... Uh, later in the day and yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, sort of in the evening. Caelan. Okay. Uh... Uh... Sorry about, um, I wound up getting a lot further into people's heads than was necessarily my intent. Don't be foolish. If my house, if your house was on fire and I kicked your door in to pull you out of the burning building, would you really care that you were standing there without even your small clothes on? (laughs) Nay, nay. I... 
I've always felt like the outsider of the three of us. And I know Tristram feels the same way. It seems that we all do. He looks kind of awkward in that um, now increasingly familiar to Caelan, like you were seeing elders in his face, men don't talk about their feelings yeah. sort of thing. I don't know how to have this conversation, let's go fishing instead. Yeah. Um, and he looks kind of very awkward for a few moments and in a different way, I think. I've always maybe fit in too well at a place. It's just lately that place has changed from what it was supposed to be to I from first to second as it were I didn't mean it's meant a great deal to me that Svetlana has you that she has someone who can value her as she deserves take care of her the way I was never really able to. But I know that because my own relationship with her is complicated, it makes yours more complicated. And I know in some ways I've taken things that were meant for Tristram, whether he wanted them or not, and in a lot of ways I've taken things that were meant for you as well. Nods at these, and I'm I'm sorry for that. You're you didn't get the opportunity to be a king for as long, but I think that you were uh, had the capacity to be just just as good a king at least as good a king as I and I already knew that you're certainly as good a, at least as good a man as I I'm sorry if I've cast a, a long shadow I know well that I'm that I've made a good many mistakes, but I didn't mean to overshadow the two of you, make you feel like you had to compete with me. I accept your apology, of course. I'm not entirely sure it's warranted. You didn't control all those circumstances. Obviously, I'd have liked it if Oleg had set up his little shop in my kingdom first if I'd met Svetlana then she'd have been married and Rory's grace, what a complicated mess that probably would have been well, I don't need to tell you (laughs) (laughs) no let us us say instead that I would rather I'd met her first but we can't change what is we have to Except what is, it's, I would rather be happily ruling Varnhold than be here, but 
I would rather Casper Morganen was still alive if the centaurs hadn't killed him. I would rather that everything in life had gone swimmingly. I would rather that mother had loved father and vice versa. I would rather any one of a thousand things, but that does not make them so. And I am embarrassed by what you've seen last night, but I'd like you to consider a question. Don't think about it deeply, just answer what comes into your head. Are you a good enough husband for Bryn? Really? Are you with her? Nay, <laughs> uh, nay, no, no, I see I see your point. But that doesn't keep you awake every day, does it? You're not sitting by the bed possessed of a fear that she's going to go off into the woods and just decide not to come back one day. That she's going to wake up one morning and work out that she married Caelan Thorne and leap screaming from the window. Not as much as the first. It doesn't keep me awake as much as it did the first couple of years. <laughs> he sort of chuckles very slightly. <laughs> his... Oh, I... I really was the one of the three of us, pardon. The four of us brothers with the most experience with women. The most skilled <laughs> woman, wasn't I? Hi. God's help the thorns. It's a wonder whatever that any of us managed to breed. <laughs> my point is, just because that's in my nightmare... It's it's always a fear. He taps his head. It's a thought. I've worried that maybe I'm Svetlana's second choice. Maybe I'm not good enough for her. Maybe she's just compromising because she can't have you. But there's a difference between a passing worry and a nightmare versus something that keeps me awake every night, every night, scheming ways to murder you and get you out of the way. <laughs> I'm... Sorry, I swung at you, but I'm not sure how accountable you can hold a man in his own dreams. No, if um, I, I got lost in the moment when she, uh, I, I got sucked into the dream, um, you had every right to uh, swing at me on that that one. No, that's all I wanted to get get sorted. When... It's it's um. It's all right. My message is that you don't have to worry. That's haunting me all the time. Things are better now. Uh, A lot better now than they ever were. I respected Jumhadi and I wish things had never gone that way, but I never loved her in the same way I loved Svetlana. I hadn't even realised I could. If anything, I think I feel guilty about that that I couldn't be what Jumandi deserved. It would have... You would... I've, I've always believed you would have grown to love each other in time, if you'd had the time. And as you... But... And you deserve that. But as you say, you... It's not really any different than Casper and all the other things that went wrong. I've learned from you in that that 
even when life gives you terrible things, you don't have to let it destroy you. You and Svetlana have both survived terrible things, and it's made you strong. You were already strong, but it's made you stronger. I'm lucky to have you both, and I'm glad that things are easier now. It would help if, you know, we could get a few months without, um, or even a few weeks at this point without, um, massive fair attacks on the kingdom. I mean, I, I don't think it was unreasonable for you two having slogged through the woods and rescued those girls to get a night's sleep, and that wasn't exactly what happened, but... We should discuss this with, with the council, but... I understand from Tristan there must be some limit to her power. We must be wearing our way through her forces. If this isn't over, if this isn't over yet, it must be soon. Among other things, she's running out of generals. We know how that goes. Hi. (laughs) Alright. Thank you. Always. That's excellent. That um, deals with the emotional residue Kaelin has as a result. Fair. At which point he um, spends some time with Bryn and the kids over the next couple of days and kind of, um, or assuming he gets a couple of days, and generally tries to um, down-tick his murderous blood frenzy to a um, more reasonable level. Yeah. So the, the next day, or indeed today if you were feeling up to it, Bryn is totally on board with, you know, Brandon, Micah, Tobias, let's go into the woods and see the giant monster Daddy killed and chop its head off and bring it back and mount it in the throne room. Like, this is a great family outing from my point of view. This is what families should do together. Yeah. All right. Kaelin doesn't want to mount the rook's head on the wall. Because he yeah. he doesn't want because he doesn't it was want the reminder. It was sentient and he doesn't want the remind. It was pretty sentient and he doesn't want the reminder. But he absolutely wants to go cut its head off as a family. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Yeah. And Tobias actually seems to find this quite fulfilling. Like <laughs> this, this right here. This is the bad thing. This is yeah. the thing that I can blame for everything, including the snatches, which really only had a tangential case yeah. as a nightmare rook, but I'm blaming them. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, and yeah. Dar killed it, and I can see it's very dead. Yeah. Which actually settles a few of his worries. Excellent. Yes, it's, um... This is definitely one of those, if there was an equivalent to counselling, we'd be taking Tobias to it after this. Yeah, yeah. And Bryn sort of puts a hand on the small of your back and growls as she looks at it. Didn't think there'd be another attack this soon, or I'd have been there with you. Sorry. And Caleb will hug her. It isn't your fault, love. Just like, um, you know how I, um, went a little crazy after, um, you were attacked at the, um, Father Bravia's monument and I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. We can't always be there. I know if, um, and, um, he will move slightly further yeah. away from the kids. If the, um, if Tobias hadn't been able to stop them and they're taking the kids, it's, I'd have seen which way they went and then I'd have, and we'd, you and I would have, have gone into the, I'd have gotten you out of the woods and you and I would have trailed them until we found them and gotten the cubs back. Find them. Track them across worlds. <laughs> into the first world and back again. Every sniff out, every footstep and every drop of blood. We can't always be there. Did to know where that's always safe. 
Wish I could smell them. Mm. Mm. But, well, yeah, I hate it too. And, um, Kaelin will kick it, kick it the grass. What's happened to Tristram is worse, but it's bad for all of us. But what, we can't always protect everyone. We can't always be there. But we can come after them and get anybody back that they take. And we fought well. We can be damn proud of our pack. Alrighty. Alright. And to, um... And at that point I'm happy to go into whatever uh, whatever happens next yeah. time. So you actually... Sorry, as in you want to leave it there? No, no. I don't, go ahead with what you're... As right. in I'm happy to drop out of PC yeah, time yeah. and into story time? So you actually get a decent night's sleep. Yeah. Um, where at this point, um, barring Lily and all your counsellors are back yeah. and operating... Um, a core of silver fire, for the record, basically staggers out, looking like she has been up for the last week and a half. Yeah. Essentially looks at people and then very rudely kind of barks at them in, um, in, in Elven, the sort of native centaur tongue. You know, you're all alive. Good enough. I'm going to sleep. Boof, and yeah. goes out. Yeah. By the next morning, she is functional again. Yeah. Um, and Tristan um, effectively says, you know, we need a council. What, what we should do is come together for a council meeting and um, bring what we have together with these trophies and talk about what comes next. Yeah. What, does, what if anything, does Titania still have left to throw at us? Where do we go from here? What yeah. does this mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we can do that now. We can do the very beginnings of it now. Yeah, I think let's do the very beginnings, but not the whole thing, because it's getting late. Cool. So we go into the council meeting, yeah. which is, again, is everyone here but Lillian, uh, including yeah. Triss for this one. Yeah. Who is showing up not because he's a councillor, but because he has several relevant things to say. Yeah. Uh, Eldis would also like to appear and stick his oar in, if you have no objection. Yeah, no, no, not whatsoever. And we can have Crystal in here. I'm perfectly happy to have Eldis and Crystal here. Um, and for the moment, Perlavish is filling in for the old bell day, yeah. whether or not that becomes a permanent thing. Um, yeah. He, you sort of call the roster, you know, is everyone here, is everyone all right? And he gets, I master Perlavish for the moment. Oh. In a slightly sad voice. Yeah. Like, you know, he wants to be at the big table, but he doesn't want to be at the big table. And, in and this way, up. yeah. Um, then, uh, overnight, um, because of how your council policies work, people, without actually necessarily asking you, have probably attempted to resurrect the old Beldame, um, raise her from the dead, because that's your council ruling. And yeah, well, um, if, uh, you know, traditionally we would have had a vote on whether we thought it was a good idea or not. True, actually. So, um, Caelan votes, it, it comes down to a council majority and Caelan votes nay, because his percentage is that, um, she was very old. Yep. And that, um, like, you know, he's very sad that she's gone and that this is the way he would have wanted her to go out. Yeah. But he's not entirely convinced that she's going to want to come back at this time frame. Yeah. You you actually, if you are putting it to a vote and not um, overwriting things with your kingly veto, you actually get a pretty overwhelming um, thing in favour of yes. Sure, that's the, fine. The people that you would generally expect to be in favour of the natural order and things going their way would be people like Tristan yeah. and Akora Silverfire. 
You'd expect both of them generally to vote no in this case. Both of them vote yes instead. Yeah, that's why. They're carrying their own um, baggage around it. Nonetheless, when you attempt to raise her, she does not return. Cool. It's her time. Yep. Um, and that is pretty much the end of that. I imagine yep. there will be a proper funeral at some point in a few days. Yep. So traditionally, we would therefore spend a build point on the resources to attempt to raise her. Yep. Which I will just note down for the um, for the record. Uh, it it doesn't work. Nothing happens. Yeah. Oh right, the you money don't doesn't go anywhere. Oh right, you don't lose the resources if the spell fails. Uh, possibly, but I'm presuming that um, people head that off by asking first. Yeah. You know, will this... Will oh, right, yes, of course, we do. Yes, yes, of course, what we do is the divination spell to find out if it will work, and yep. we get that, no, it was her time. And we find, we find all, you know, something in the neighbourhood of, you know, all, all, all she is and prime is past. Nothing ever is meant to last. Oh, <laughs> Nice. So it's not necessarily that she was absolutely fated to die here, but it is more or less her time. time yeah. Um, so you sit, you head to the council meeting to discuss what's happening. Um, Michaela shows up, sits in the treasurer's seat, to much confusion from Leon. The two of them get into a brief discussion rather than an argument about it, where Michaela says, I'm the treasurer of Stagthorn have been for the last five years. And Leon says, uh, you know, uh, your majesty, is there uh, something uh, you want to talk about? Uh, Michaela, you're the high priestess. Leon took over for the treasurer after Cor- Corwin died? I, ah, uh, shove up, dumb death, growls in orcish. <laughs> but I have vivid recollections of being the tre- What was not? Yeah. And and I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Like, she's come in very convinced of this. We didn't have a treasurer. Yeah. You know, when Corwin died, so I had to get into the slot because no one else would. Yeah. Giving me my fourth or fifth council role at that point. Yeah. She sits down. Uh, um, And um, Kel will say, oh, incidentally, Leon, um, Corwin says you're doing a damn fine job. And you should be. Does he really? And that you should be doing a lot better, taken as you will. That does sound like him. Yeah, I figure it's got the ring of authenticity about it. And Tristan pulls out his blackboard and says, you know, let's discuss what's past and starts yeah. talking about the incidents people have gone into. And we've come up with trophies. Um, trophies. And, um, let me just state at this point, um, thank you for saving everyone's sanity, Okora. Uh, I gather it was a bad night for you, even worse night for you than it was for me, but we appreciate your efforts on our behalf. A long night, Caitlin, a long night, but at least I have some closure on what was happening. It was the strangest thing. There were battles to fight out here, but I knew... It's like hearing a ship coming in the distance. You can hear its bell from a long way off in the fog, but without knowing what a ship is or what direction it's coming from, I knew something was coming and I'd be needed. I'm glad I was here where I was needed, when I was needed. Aye. Now I stand ready to serve the kingdom of Varnhold and Varnhold in the Norman Heights again in my usual role. And Trist, you know, we have, Tristan stands up and says, we have, um, you know, this trophy and this has happened, blah, blah. These all link back to the stolen lands. There'll be a way to get through, but we need to be aware that 
Terath Tolum he makes wiggling gestures with his fingers uh, Ra Ra Tumak Turaniga he flaps his arms and then looks distressed that he can't get his point across and goes over to Triss takes him by the hand Triss sort of gives him a vaguely distasteful look takes him to the blackboard and points at it ah well yes I suppose if you're not up for it, I have a unique insight on what Titania has left to offer. Let me tell you about the forces the first world has yet to array against us. Dun dun dun! dun. Uh, In fact, let me tell you about the forces the first world has yet to array against us. I think we are close to its end. But I do not think that you have seen the end of the blooms yet. Dun dun dun! dun.